Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. The track you just heard was from Wilkes Bar's Warn, another PA hardcore great right now. The track is called Acidic Blood. It's coming out March 5th on From Within Records. The LP is entitled Human Work. There's only 30 records left of the clear colorway. Slime Green colorway is sold out already. You can go to at From Within Records on Instagram to order. As we talk about often, our friend Carter is really killing it with From Within Records. Warren is one of these bands that just doesn't get the same light as others. They're absolutely terrific. Bob's booked them a handful of times. Seen them at Creep Records. The vocals are absolutely fucking hard as nails. Check this record out. Before we jump into anything podcast related, I just want to say that we are all praying for Eddie Sutton Leeway. He was just diagnosed with stage 3 adrenocarcinoma. It's a form of lung cancer that is aggressive and can spread to other parts of the body. But they've already started scheduling the chemotherapy at the end of the month. He's got a GoFundMe link. You can check it out at This Is Hardcore Fest on the Instagram. We have a bio with a direct link. And we'll include it in the show notes for this episode and coming episodes. As a big fan of Leeway... And Truth and Rights, which is a track we played in the beginning of the show, as well as just getting to know Eddie over the last 10 years or so. He's an incredible person, and this is terrible news, but he's a fighter, and I know that he'll get through it. Make sure you're going to TIHC Podcast for the show notes. Also, aside from the usual follow, share, subscribe, depending on your podcaster or podcatcher, when we are posting on Fridays, reshare. Put our post up. We're not getting the same algorithm engagement. I think they want us to pay on Instagram and whatever. So your sharing of our new episodes helps more uh, listeners get attracted to the show. And like with the Eddie Sutton situation and all our guests, there's always show notes with links, extra pictures, and some sometimes even uh, YouTube videos. So check them out at TIHCpodcast.com. Quick shout out on some things that I'm listening to when we're getting right into this episode. The Terror Zone podcast, which I had been on episode four, is continuing. Please check out the episodes, whether it's number one with the Coldest Life guys. My boy John from Provoke and Tyrant, I think he's episode three. Um, Lenny, our boy from Cast and Fire and Earthmover, who we've talked about on the show. He is just, his episode came out. It's great to hear my old friends from Detroit talk about hardcore stuff. And it's a good podcast. Check out Terror Zone podcast and all the usual apps. Our boy Hoya has actually separated his Instagram, and he has a new one for his podcast. You can go to at Smoking Word Podcast on Instagram. He's got a new episode up with Siv that's absolutely awesome, and a must listen. Post America Podcast had Patrick Kitzel on from Reaper Records. I loved hearing my friend talk about his hardcore beginnings in Western Germany and Essen. It's a great one to listen to. In fact, big. Shoutouts to everybody who reached out and talked to me about the kind of topics that Richie and I spoke on on the last episode. We're going to have more of that when Richie, I, and OG from Broadsheet Breakdown Connect will be announcing when that podcast is going to come out pretty shortly. I was trying to think of a way to keep a theme going between guests and the thought of having multiple band members on a single episode is just something that I don't think that would work out in the way that we speak and get deep. We are talking to four people. They have four separate paths. So this is my first 
you know, foray into trying to include several people from the same kind of either it's going to be topical or era or city. But I figured I'd start out simple with having two separate episodes, one each week on bands. And no better than a local band from Philadelphia that everyone loves. Get some younger voices in here again. So tonight we're talking to Louis Aponte from Jesus Peace. He grew up in Pennsylvania. You know, one of these guys who didn't find heavy hardcore, but actually kind of grew up in DIY spots and a real different flavor from what he would end up being known for musically. His story is great, and his progression from not only music, but person and the ideas that he has taken on and grown as a person with is a tremendous story, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. So, let's go. I am talking to Louis Aponte, one of Lehigh Valley's most recognizable faces in hardcore at this point, from being behind the kit at Jesus Peace to hanging out with Dennis Rodman, to probably becoming one of the most well-known DJs in the next three years with his insane uh, techno-hardcore sounds. This man is a polymath. He is someone who managed to do all this stuff and still have such an amazing love for hardcore. And I'm just very happy to have him on the show. Appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. So... Am I incorrect in believing that you are born and raised in Lehigh Valley? No, I was born in Sacred Heart Hospital on 4th Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania in uh, 1994. So you are at the heart of PA Hardcore. Yes, sir. Part, part, part of PA Hardcore, home of Oliver J's, Airport Music Hall, all that stuff. <laughs> now, you were younger than a lot of us coming into hardcore what was uh growing up in allentown like and what was the first music in your house that would eventually get you on the road to finding hardcore punk oh my god well probably the first thing i ever heard was like probably some new metal band that my dad's friend because i used to go to the skate park called penn skate and sometimes they would play like hardcore. what got you what got you into skateboarding my dad I actually really? have a of my dad. Like, yeah, he, he used to like put me on a skate because he used to skate and he used to go to shows sometimes. So um, he just like, he showed me all that stuff. You know, when I was really young, he like put X's on my hands because he was afraid that when I would go out, like I would start drinking and stuff. And he was just like, this is what you are. Even though he never was, but he just like was, uh, he was, he just really wanted me to be straight edge. And I remember he showed me Youth of Today when I was real young, but I thought it was so whack because I just wanted to listen to like Slipknot or something like that. Or like System of a Down, because that that's that was like some of my first bands were like Lincoln Park, System of a Down, and like Slayer, because we used to watch Headbangers Ball sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's really my dad just showing me all this shit. So your your dad gets you to be on a skateboard, and then yeah. you go to a skateboard park, mm-hmm. and then what did you see? Somebody wearing a band T-shirt. What was the first interaction seeing it beyond your father? I don't know. To be honest, probably that. Yeah. No, you know what's funny? One time, I didn't know what, what, what was happening, but I was, at the, I was at Penn Skate, and this band called Carpenter Ant was going to play the, the, the small room. But I didn't know who they were, what they were. But years later, I recognized that oh, it was that Penn Skate, that legendary Penn Skate show that they played. And they were like a skate punk band from, like my, uh, from Allentown. And um, that was probably the first time I ever saw like hardcore kids or like punk kids anywhere like in, in like 
How old were you at the time? I think I was like maybe like 13 or something. I forget. It was like so long ago. Some of that's like a blur to me, but yeah, I was definitely really young. And I used, I used to also go to Double Decker with my dad too. It's like a record store in Allentown. And yeah. Um, that's actually how I found my first hardcore techno record and my first hardcore record. Cause I remember seeing the youth of today record that would hang up. It was like a green cover. I think it was break a uh, break down the walls. Like, or maybe can't, um, uh, can't close my eyes. I forget which it was like a weird reissue, but I used to yeah. always be there. And I used to be like, I don't know what that is. But my dad showed that to me before. And I should probably look into it. Yeah. Jamie double Decker is very well known for not just his, longevity of having the uh the record store but having some pretty rare editions of records from time to time yeah i know that's right i've heard that i i've never been like an avid record collector myself but i've always been there and everyone's always said that that's one of the best record stores in like the east coast so i was definitely like stoked to hear that when i would like go in there like damn this is cool that it's here just based on what you just said right here you did not have your typical growing up phases you kind of got uh um exposed to hardcore at a pretty young age so it makes sense that you were kind of pushing back i always feel like hardcore punk sometimes is something that's supposed to rebel against what our parents want so it must be pretty weird (laughs) when your parents are like hey check this out you're like man this shit isn't cool exactly so it's weird because my dad showed me a bunch of hardcore and shit but at the same time, he wasn't even really that into it. He should just go because his friends would go. And he was he was into hip-hop. That's his thing. He, he was 100% hip-hop through and through. But he would just know about it because there was a venue in Allentown called Oliver J's when he was younger. And they would skate all day and then go to hardcore shows there at night. So he was like, yeah, I saw this band called like Butthole Surfers there, Gorilla Biscuits. Like he didn't really know anything about it. He just remembered the names, you know? And he was just like, yeah, it was just like, it was like a, a place. It was like one of those kids at a show that are like super random, but you see that they're having a ton of fun and they either stay with it or they, you know, you know, you never see them again. It was probably like that. Now, at what age did you start getting exposed to playing music? Oh my God. Um, I used to watch system of a down on YouTube and um, I wanted to play guitar first because the, the guitar player system of a down, I thought he dressed really cool because he was like, um, you know, he like cross dress, and I thought that was really cool. And like, I was just like, damn, I want to be like that. So I tried playing guitar, but I hated it. And my parents didn't want to get me like, a, like I lived in like uh, the hood of Allentown, so I couldn't get like a drum kit. So my mom, she was like, oh, why don't you practice on boxes, boxes, and show me that you're serious? So I used to set up cardboard boxes and practice on there, and just play through System of a Down songs like, like nonstop. That's all I did for like days. Now, did they eventually believe that you were serious about playing the drums or how did you get more formal with things? I convinced them to like get me like this kit. It was like at a pawn shop for like a hundred dollars or something. And they gave it to me for Christmas and um, they just set it up. And I didn't know what they thought or what was going to happen, but um, yeah, I just kind of went for it and I just taught myself pretty much. Now- and uh, in middle school, then I started like, I wanted to get involved in shit, so I just like joined um, the marching band because I just wanted to play drums all the time. And even though I didn't really like it that much, but I just wanted to be involved in music somehow. Actually, Chris Disworia, who was a guest on our podcast, he started out in a marching band as well. Really? <laughs> That's actually amazing. I, I respect that because it's actually really hard and amazing because it's a lot of commitment to do that. Now, 
I know that you were in bands way early on before you got more involved and in coming down to Philly. Yeah. What was the, uh, were you going to some of them smaller shows out there? Is that what exposed you to some of your earliest bands that you would play in? Yeah. So, um, I met, a, I had a, a pretty good friend, Zach at the time, and we used to go to Penn State all the time. And someone told me, um, this dude named Ray Gers, he's from the Valley. He's like a legend there. And, um, he told me, yo, there's this place called the, the secret art space. And it was like, uh, I was like, what is that? <laughs> he was like, I don't know, but my band's playing there and we sound like Poison Idea. I was like, well, I like Poison Idea. This is when I was getting, starting to get into punk. Cause I was like, right at this time, I was like really into the exploited and SSD. So I was just like, oh shit, like you guys sound like Poison Idea. That's so cool. Cause, and then, so I went and it was kind of like a weird vibe because I was expecting it to be like, kind of what like Philly shows are like real aggressive and intense, but it was like very, uh, I don't know how to say this without being offensive, but just like very white and safe spacey, if that makes sense. Like, just like, like the freaking punk kids, like West Philly punks. I don't know. Like, I don't really care what they, if what they think about that term, but it was just that vibe. You know what I mean? Like, you know, be careful when you're bumping into someone. I didn't like that. Cause to me, I was like, I just wanted to go to a hardcore show. I wanted to feel something. And, um, it was interesting and it was really cool. And I went to shows there, shows there for a long time. Um, so I definitely respect and appreciate what I was given there. But uh, yeah, it was, it, I, th I think it was interesting as far as like the bands that came through, I got to see like a lot of cool DB bands, a lot of interesting people. I, I learned a lot of po political things there. I learned about feminism at a really early age. I learned about veganism at a really early age. Like, cause they were like really pushing that stuff. It was a pretty intense place. Now, at what point did you uh, get up the courage and say, hey, I can play drums and jump into a band, or did you do something different in your first band? Um, my first band, me and my friend used to just play in my basement, and um, I was like, yeah, I really want to sound like just like super like fast. I want to sound like SSD. So we were just like writing stuff, and um, this dude, random as hell at a show, was like, yo, I heard you guys are like a two-piece band. We were like, yeah, we're like a... I was, I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, I'm in this like punk band. We, we sound like uh, the casualties and SSD mixed. I, heard, I, think, I think that's what I said. And um, he was like, well, just so you know, I play bass. So if you want me to come through. And it was so weird because, dude, I, we were, I was thinking I was like 15 or 16 at this time. And he was like, a, at the time, I think he was like 28. So it was like weird to first some dude to just approach me like that. And that's pretty much how the first band I ever was started. Like he came over. He had a car, like a truck, so we were able to like play shows, and like I was able to put my drums in places. So it was like that's where it kind of just like took off, you know. Like I was, just, I was just like so pumped on like playing any and every show. Now, at this stage, were you traveling down to Philly yet, or an anywhere no. else? No, not yet. I didn't go down to Philly to about 2010 or 11, because um, well, none of my friends really drove except him, but um. It was when Youth of Today reunited to play This Is Hardcore. And um, that was my favorite band of all time. So I was just like, I did anything. And then I convinced my girlfriend at the time to drive me to Philly. <laughs> and I bought her ticket. And that was my first time ever in, in a Philly show. And I didn't know what to expect because I've never, I only went to like those like um, kind of more tame shows. But I, I always like knew that Philly was more intense and everyone said that. And I was like, I remember the first day, 
well, the only day I went to the Starbucks that day, um, it was, I think, Nails or Wrong Answer was playing. And I was in the middle of the pit. And I got so fucked. It was like a nice, rude awakening. Like, welcome welcome to Philly. Like, this is what it's like. Because like, I was standing in the middle. I got punched. I moved to the front. Stage them on kick. I, I just never experienced anything like that in my life. But it was like a good thing. I felt really good. I was like, holy shit. Like, I feel like scared. And this is like really cool. This is what I, this is what I wanted, you know? When you went back after the This Is Hardcore, did you uh, think, man, I got to get down to Philly more? Or did you take any kind of things like, I got to do more in my own scene? What were your thoughts? Did you take away from that? Um, well, I knew my scene would never be like that because there was no, we were the extreme minority. You know what I mean? It was like a couple kids of us, like just wanting our scene to be like that. And um, But most, I think the second show, our second time I went to Philly for like a big show was when Floor Punch played uh, the church. It was like, I think for your benefit. And um, after that, I just like started going in between Philly and Wilkes-Barre, like nonstop. It was easier for Wilkes-Barre because um, it was a little closer to Allentown. But in between Philly and Wilkes-Barre, that's, I was just constantly going. And that's how, you know, I met a lot of people and was really interested. And just like, I don't know, Redwood Art Space, I went to so many of those shows. And um, I mean, like seeing Bad Seed and stuff there, like that was amazing. And I don't know, it was cool. It was a, a pretty good balance of like going in between two scenes. Now, were you aware of the suburban scene like in Lansdale, Doylestown, Quakertown at that time? Or is that still just a little outside of what you were uh, aware of. I heard about it, but I never really knew what it was. Like I, I never really like checked out like anything from Lansdale or Doylestown until I think one time my, like, I think my second, third band played um siren records. And I was like, when the hell do they fucking like have shows here? And like, I thought it was like a new thing, but everyone, I think, I don't know who it was, but they explained to it. I saw like a rock bottom shirt hanging there. It's probably still there. And I like all these like, Random. I was like, what? Like, why does this record store sell this shit? And I guess they were like, yeah, there's like, there was a huge scene in Lansdale and all this stuff. And I thought that was really cool. But I, I never actually spent too much time there in like the suburbs because I was either in the city in Allentown or in, in for shows or, you know, Redwood or Philly sometimes. Now, looking at, um, if you look back, what do you think was the most fun about being from that uh, that scene out there? and having the ability to travel to other spots. I, I learned to appreciate those spots a lot more. I think my, my favorite thing from the scene is I got to see a lot of what's going on today. Then like there was a lot of like crazy punk bands doing really like crazy antics. Like um, I got to see uh, like, do you know, there's this dude named Arthur Rizzo. He's from where I'm from. He, I got to see like his old noise bands. Like it was like just interesting. It wasn't just straight up hardcore. And then, you know, like, I was, I'm glad I got to see more experimental things and more like versatile, like bands, like post-punk bands and just open, it broadened my horizons to like things I can, that can be. So I was like really happy about that. Um, I don't know. It was just a really interesting, small kind of scene. And it wasn't just like a set sound or anything like that. It was just kind of a set attitude, which I didn't, that was the only thing I didn't agree with, but I really enjoyed like a lot of what I got to see. Like bands from Japan would come through that like no one would book anywhere else, and like it was just cool. I've always felt like DIY spaces have a weird dichotomy between having a direct influence not only on what people are seeing, yeah, but they want to. I won't say control, but they have a heavy influence on the way people that enjoy those spaces 
how they act and what they believe and what they know. Yeah, and exactly. sometimes it can be a detracting point from people who are traveling in. Mm-hmm. And the juxtaposition of that, though, is on one hand, there's a little bit of close-mindedness towards the people that they want interacting with their space, but they have a beautiful network that goes beyond the average hardcore show. Like they're going to book stuff that really wouldn't make sense for Philly hardcore shows to book. Right. Exactly. And there's a diversity in the kind of bands. And that's something that I was exposed to with the a space and Stalock 13 and kill time mm-hmm. with those DIY spaces. And it's, it's always been very interesting to me to see that you will find a more open attitude towards the music and the kind of artists that play, Mm -hmm. but you won't find an open idea to the kind of people that are at these spaces. Yeah. There are people attending and running and uh, you know, it it was like that a hundred percent. I mean, like they wouldn't let people do certain things. It was literal rules. It was like, as if you were going into someone's house, you know what I mean? Like there was like things you couldn't say or do, which is like, fine. I mean, there needs to be boundaries somewhere, but it's just like, we got to a point where I was just like, like, is, is this fun or is this like how, is this like, what did you imagine the show to be like? Cause this is what you're forcing on me. It almost feels like, cause this is like a hardcore band and I want to, this is how I want to react. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go around like, just, like punching people. I can understand why that's really annoying, but I feel like, you know, I'm, I, I literally weigh like 80 pounds. Like, <laughs> like, it's not like a big deal, but I don't know. I guess everyone is to each their own and how they want to run their space, I guess. But, but what you said is absolutely right. It's just like, the, you know, the music is always super open-ended and like interesting, but how the attitude and maybe how things are ran there are pretty a little um, gatekeepy or I don't know. No. So yeah. I think the exposure for you is good. Cause obviously it's going to come out in a conversation later, how you were um, exposed to these kind of things. The question I have for you is, do you think that because of these rules that you were driven to try to go down and check out the Philly scene, or were you just um, a suburban person who wanted to come to Philly just because you knew more things were happening down here? Um, well, it's funny because I don't really consider Allentown suburban, especially where I live. Well, I just in, more, in, like, I meant more in general, outside of Philly is, I guess, a better way to say it than suburban. Um, no, it was more or less that I liked the, the energy and attitude in Philly more. I liked the idea of going to a show and not knowing anyone not and going to a show not knowing if I'll be – if I'll get hurt and stuff like that. I, I like that like, kind of dangerous sometimes. I liked the bands that were playing because they were, uh, it was like, what it's, uh, it was everything that I wanted. Cause I, I you know, I, I was looking at old hardcore shows and what was happening there was not what I imagined. Although it was interesting and it was cool and I appreciate it, but I wanted to pile on and stage dive and, you know, mosh how I wanted. And, you know, there was kids in Philly that were, people in Philly that were you know way bigger and harder than me so it was like so cool like to be like nervous and like kind of see things differently like I saw a whole new style of moshing a whole whole new style of like bands playing like hearing these different people talk and it was just like it to me it was just uh more relevant to my to my interest because that's what I wanted I wanted like a more youthful but also like um kind of like I guess it's sincere to some bands but it felt sincere at the time I feel like you're someone that also was able to balance between the kind of shows that me, Bob and Chris were putting on. And you were also still drawn to like the West Philly and South Philly basement shows. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, my, my interest in like music overall is very broad and, and I really like a lot of different kinds of, 
uh, hardcore. That's why I kind of learned like over the years, it's like hardcore is very interesting because it's not really about the music to me. It's more about like, you know, I'm loyal to like certain people and certain things. Cause, but like the music that can go like, I don't know. I could, I could, we could talk about the, the styles of shows that I can go to all day, you know? And I think you're the same way. Well, talked about. I find that the people that try to encapsulate hardcore to a sound yeah. are missing the bigger picture. Exactly. And the, the more I speak to people and take further steps back and look at the big picture, we have four decades of an entire world of different people that mm-hmm. have approached hardcore from their own experiences and their own emotions. Right. And what the musical content is, it's not going to add up for everybody, but it's not meant to add up, but mm-hmm. it's all, it's all encompassed. hundred percent. I always felt like it was like the way you supported things and the, the shows you went to and the, the community and your friends and how you guys go about things like that to me was always so hard. Like it's hardcore. I mean, like even within my band, which we can talk about. I don't know how you want to structure this, but like, you know, people, you know, people at first or whatever, just are still like, it's not a hardcore band. I'm like, you're not, you're not seeing the point here. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, we don't sound like every hardcore band playing, but that's not the point of what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's. Well, like- I guess, I guess, as we walk into how you got to meet those guys, um, were your parents psyched that you were in, or your say your father was he psyched that you were more involved in the punk hardcore scene? Yeah, it's weird because I think I think my dad. One second. Let me Um, sorry about that. Um, my dad was actually he. Did, I didn't think he he thought I was gonna continue on with it because he always was like, "Stop playing drums and get like you have to like focus on getting money and a job and." blah 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 and that, that was like his whole thing i mean he was being he was trying to be like a you know thoughtful dad i guess and but i just like didn't really listen i mean i tried working like hard jobs and warehouses and bullshit but i was like no i, I just want to like really i like i just all i think about all day is music and wanting to do this and so i was just like i just gotta go for it i mean he was stoked that i was like doing something positive in my life for sure but i i don't think until recently with like jesus peace and us being able to kind of you know take it on a, like a bigger scale he just like respected it because i don't think he just really understood no my my father also didn't understand it and kind of looked at as things like well you need to grow up and you know i think it exactly. comes from the kind of financial situation that we were in exactly. where parents are always going to want their children to try to make their fiscal way through life right. and it's it's a hard you know as as being a parent now you you want your child to be happy, but you want your child to be able to, to take care of themselves at some point. Mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's a dichotomy in that. So you come down to Philly. Did you ever, did you know David or any of those guys before you got to Philly? No. So funny enough, the, this is a funny story, but Dave, John, and and I, I actually never met Aaron. I just saw him a couple of times. But um, Anthony, I knew because my old friend, he he um he knew him. So he, Anthony, I let he let us stay at his house once. Uh, but that was like the uh, as far as we went, as far as like friends. And I, and I liked his old band Crosscheck, but but um like Dave and John, we actually used to hate each other. Like he, they were in like a total different scene, but they were from where we were from, and they were like the they were like the dudes who came in and uh, tried to start their own scene. And their one friend like said a bunch of crazy shit to us. So I was like, so against them. I was like, no, fuck them. Like they're coming here, like thinking this and blah, blah, blah. And uh, 
uh, we all, I worked at Guitar Center and it just so happened that Dave worked at the Allentown Guitar Center as well. So we got to know each other more there and like, you know, we cut, uh, stopped beefing and all that shit and we became pretty good friends. And then John, the same way, he, at the time he was in another band called Hell to Pay and I, I really liked it. So I just like, you know, we just kind of, I don't know, just somehow just all became friends. And I just, I aligned more with how they felt about like music and hardcore than I did like all the other people who were going to like this, uh, the DIY space and stuff. So, I mean, over time we just became really good friends, but, but we all worked at Guitar Center at the same time. Like at first it was me and Dave, then John came in eventually and then Dave left and it was just super interesting. That was like the, that was like the, uh, I don't even know the fucking, the, f- Genesis. The Genesis. Yeah, yeah, that's where it all started right there. And then um, and then I started a couple of bands with John. Then eventually Dave always said that he was like, listen, like I want to start like a heavy band with my friend Aaron. He vol- he he's been doing vocals in this other band, but he wants to be like be a little more he wants to go a different way. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't really know Aaron like that, but I'm down to like do it. And um and I was in other bands with John and uh I think randomly one day Dave was like, okay, I have these riffs written. So let's just like, let's just make something heavy. And I was just like, I've never played in a heavy, heavy band before. Like, I don't, I don't really know that. Like I know how to play like, D beats and like blast beats, but now I don't know how to play. Like he was like, do you listen to like slam metal? Like I was like, yeah, I love slam metal. He was like, so just play like that. <laughs> and so we were just like fucking around. And then, and then uh, Aaron came one time and, then, and that's how I got to know him as well. I don't know. It's like, it's pretty like spread out, but it was really interesting. Like as like far as like how we evolved and Anthony's, this is a funny story. He, we were at a show in Delaware. I think we were seeing full of hell and Anthony was like, yo, uh, I heard you're starting a band. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like me, uh, Dave and Aaron are starting one. He was like, okay, well, and he just told me, he was like, I'm going to play bass. <laughs> that like, might've been the worst decision you could have ever made. No, he straight up said that word to everything. He was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna play bass in this." I was like, "All right, whatever." I mean, I, I, I openly, <laughs> I openly have dogged out Anthony on this podcast before. <laughs> I was not even hear that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so I, I I had ran into Aaron first, right? And uh, he had been doing history in the band he was in, and he was a part of this younger wave of people that were coming from outside the city. And I just really liked his vibe off the beginning. I liked the energy he had just in the pit. And then, so I was personally excited Mm -hmm. when he was like, yo, you got to check out this band. I was, I'm going to be in. And, um, I, I would see you around and Bob, anytime I see a new guy, Bob is the Intel. I'll go, who's that guy? Don't give me like Bob's like a football coach. Here's the stats. Here's where shows he goes to. (laughs) Bob will will tell me anything I don't know about like a newer kid. Okay. Like, who's this? He's got the intel. Bob's Bob's the. What's that? I'm curious as to what Bob said because I I don't I didn't really talk to him that much when I first started going to shows. So Bob's Bob's an observer. You know, you ever notice you don't see you don't see Bob, but Bob sees you. Of course. And um, that the for me watching you guys all kind of come in together like and this is the thing i have to say positive about anthony is that the three of you were always present mm-hmm. at the shows Definitely. Um, and it makes it very exciting for me as a promoter in philadelphia 
to see a band that would now grow to be one of our, you know, flagship bands have members that support the bands that are coming through when they come through town. But you guys were doing that before the band even played the first show together. Mm -hmm. So from a, um, from, from my viewpoint, you, you've given Philadelphia something special just by that. Here's three guys with their own styles representing other bands before you ever got on stage. Yeah. And, um, I appreciate that. Well, I mean, it, it also shows the personalities in the band because, like, obviously, John and Dave are not hardcore dudes. They're like metal guys and guitar nerds. And just that's not their thing is to be out there in the pit. Yeah. And so, but you guys represent the energy and the fucking the vibrancy that comes from that part. And it's always this cool. I, I love seeing when our bands are representing for other bands. So that's one thing I really love and respect about you and Aaron and even Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Anthony, yeah, that's one thing though. I will, I got to say this live. He does. He loves to support. He loves to support Philly Hardcore 100% through and through. He loves to support Pennsylvania through and through. No matter where we go, like he's always yelling that no matter where we go. He just loves like putting on for PA. So you got you to gotta at least... At least to give him a little bit of respect for that. But otherwise, that's that's on between you and him. <laughs> that, for as far as shows and hardcore, he loves hardcore and he loves putting on from Philly and Pennsylvania. 100%. Now, obviously, I wonder how you felt because your background is much more diverse, you know, playing from DB and punk and all these different things. Yeah. Did you feel initially being in Jesus Peace that you weren't going to be able to explore your own playing because of the structure that is more downbeat and just playing in a heavy format? Um, I think when we first started playing, I was like a little weirded out by that because I, I just didn't know. I was playing a heavy style of metal or hardcore or whatever the hell you want to call it, but in my style because I didn't listen to shit like that. I never listened to deathcore. I never listened to like really any metalcore or anything like that. But I was just like, he was making rhythms. He was like, just try your best to follow this. And if you listen to the first thing we ever did, it was really bad. Like my drumming is actually terrible. But as the live show shows came and I just got more practice overall, because at that time I was still really learning how to play drums still. Like I did never play anything like this because all I really knew was DB and fast. That's, that's really it. And, and um, I guess it just, as time went on, I just like was, I'm now able to be as fluid and uh, have much, as much fun as I want. It's the most fun I ever had playing drums, 100%. I also still that you add a creative element to it. You're not just a structure to the downbeats. And, you can, and I think some of your, some of your drumming gives Jesus piece a separate flavor to some of the bands that you play alongside. And I think that you use the open fills and those little things to add measure to the songs. I really just, I think the one thing I do bring, like I'm not really that technically that amazing at drums, but um, I really just love to give it 150%. Like every single time I play, I just like, and just like make it fun. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I don't really listen to hardcore bands to get influence for, um, <clears throat> how to write drum parts. I honestly listen <clears throat> to like a lot of different like styles of like um, world music or electronic music or different styles of jazz. And I'm not really that like that good at drums, but like I, that's just where my, a lot of my influence comes from. 
it's, it's like different rhythm, rhythm, different rhythms I hear in my head or like different styles. I think it's just really interesting to incorporate and don't like set yourself up to just be in this box of like, you know, normal hardcore feels or things like that. Just think it's fun to expand. Do you feel that the influences that were early on in your house and then like coming in are a big part of why you aren't just the average hardcore player as far as with the way you approach drums? Yeah. I mean, I mean, my dad always told me to be really well-rounded in music. I mean, he always has been. So um, I think for me, I just like looked now. I just guess my approach has just like always been unorthodox for like most things in my life, to be honest. <laughs> but with playing drums, I guess I just am influenced by a lot of different styles as, as opposed to just one specific. So I don't know, whatever I hear, I like, that's just what I go for. <laughs> You know. Now, um, obviously, you were playing at a pretty young age, but the minute Jesus Peace started playing, within the first two or three shows, you had to have had a reaction and an interaction from your friends that was completely different than this, when you were playing in the punk spaces. What was the uh, the contrast and comparisons to the first couple Jesus Peace shows from anything you've done before? The first thing... We played Anthony's house. It was a total normal just house show. And people just kind of stood there while we played. And that was cool. I was into it. It was cool playing something different. But we played this show in, in Maryland. I forget. Um, this dude's house. I don't recall his name. I apologize. But um, I just remember the show was fucking. There were so many people in this garage. And we were playing. And it was just, I've never seen anyone just like be like violent in a good way and like dancing that hard like i just never have experienced anything like that so i was just like i straight up was just like like i didn't even know what to say i was like this is the most amazing feeling ever i just i hope that i can continue to do this it was like so addicting i was like dude like i've never played music where people felt so much energy and like intensity to want to like do that to music because like it was the first thing i ever did in my life really that people cared like on like a on any scale like it was like everything else i had to convince people to be like yo please like that was just like we just played and people just started doing that and i mean thank god to whoever promoted our shit or like shared it and people were really into it at that time and i don't know i'm just i was just thankful i was like jesus this is crazy i've never experienced anything like that what's the other that's the other comparison that comes from the diy spaces yeah. where the art format is open so you can try to do different things but I've, I've seen some pretty terrific and crazy bands in spaces like that. And I've always felt like the crowd themselves are uh, inhibited and mm -hmm. also rules wise prohibited from letting go. So you don't really get the real physical validation that comes from what moshing at shows is. And, you know, likewise to what you were saying, when we first started playing shows with punishment, it felt so good to see our own friends Yes. Just go off and be happy. It's like, fuck everybody else. Our first couple shows, it was our own friends going so hard. Exactly. And so I completely relate to the validation that you felt like, yes, people yeah. like what I'm doing. Yeah. And it wasn't even more or less just like, oh, I'm doing something awesome. It was like, we are uh, as a unit are going insane right now. Like, I've, I mean, I'm a part of it, obviously, but like, it's so cool that all my friends are coming together like this and running the room. You know what I mean? Like we are doing this shit to be like, I don't know. I just think that's one of the greatest feelings ever. Just like being there for your friends, supporting your friends, going crazy, punching your friends, like just having really a lot of fun. And that's very 
rare to find in the world. It's something with that energy and like that bond. I don't know. I just think it's amazing. Now, early on, I, I watched Jesus Peace pick up quick speed, be it the internet, be it um, Aaron's amazing charismatic presence mm-hmm. and just some of the natural uh, connections just from everybody being involved between Philadelphia and Allentown. There was quick interactions with people beyond our city. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to ask you, how did that feel to go from being a kid who you, you went from being in Allentown and maybe Philly and now obviously besides a house show, like right off the bat, Jesus peace was playing places pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, um, I like, I, this is all new to me. I just remember the first thing I remember is us dropping this one SoundCloud link to our first song and spread like wildfire wildfire like we spread we put it out the day uh before this is hardcore that that year because we wanted people who were in town who were excited about hardcore we wanted them to like be like okay new band we're not playing the fest but we uh we're just something new coming out of philly you know what i mean so i think the timing was really right um a lot of people were really supportive putting on for us and i you know i always got i always say that i always respect like all the friends at the time like really putting on for us we like, I remember we were selling shirts at someone else's table when <laughs> we made like 20 shirts and everyone bought them like so fast. And I was like, I don't know. I've never, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because it was my first time ever experiencing like that. It just felt amazing. It was just cool to finally be a part of something that people, you didn't have to beg people to support or like convince them. It was just like the kids just wanted to support us. And that was just, and like we were all just one big like crew, just like, and I felt it was just an amazing feeling. And then, you know, as we started, like, continuing, a lot of people just, I mean, because there's a lot of bands that come and go. It's just like, you know, this band's hype for this week and this band's cool for this weekend and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I think a lot of people thought that was that's what it was going to be like. And maybe at some points, maybe even our friends thought that. But um, I don't know. We just kind of kept trucking on. And it was it was actually really exciting to see people, like, shit talking and, talk, and like saying a bunch of stuff about how we're not going to continue. It made me just want to like go even harder. I was like, Oh, cool. This is how they feel. And then we're just going to keep writing six songs and keep playing crazy shows. And um, I think the biggest thing that helped us a lot was honestly, Sonny, like his videos of him capturing all those crazy shows really gave us that global um, exposure because I have a lot of friends that are not aligned with hardcore at all but they you know they've heard of it that only I've heard of us because of those sets and like because of those videos like especially like the one this is hardcore where you know Cody's on stage and stuff like that like so many people heard of us just through that that moment and you know, I think so I think that's important to know as well is that he was, he was a big part in our exposure and recognition well I think it's good that you brought that up because I was actually going to shift into the just things beyond just the early stages of Jesus piece. One of the things that has come to be, and I remember the first time I had it like the, what the fuck I turned and you're holding a camera on stage at this arc. And I'm like, and I'm like, wait, is there a man down? Like, <laughs> and then what had happened is over the course of time from Sonny becoming an ever present part of Jesus peace shows in the area, you kind of jumped on the team when it came to this is hardcore stuff. And in general, yeah. And you're like, uh, Maybe I don't know if he I, I don't I I don't know if he accredits you with this, but you're one of the many extra hands that holds a uh, camera to give him that multi cam during this is hardcore. So as someone who's not Sunny, 
uh, why don't you give me your experiences holding a camera and shooting while this hardcore is unfolding? It's amazing. Cause like you, I like being on stage because I like to see things happening from the crowd. And, but I wanted to have a purpose for, well, first of all, when I, before I moved to New York and everything, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but I, will. I always have been filming and been doing a lot of things with that. And, um, you know, I, I didn't want to just stand around the fest and I'm not really that good at small talk and I don't really am not that interested in like talking to a ton of people all day or like moshing all day. So I really enjoy filming. So I asked him, I was like, yo man, like when, if you got a multi-cam set you need help with, I would love to help film it. I really want to get the experience of just like giving you a hand because I really enjoy, you know, filming bands and just filming things in general. So he was like, he was like so surprised that I asked that. I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't want any pay or anything. I just want to help you out. And he was pumped. And ever since then, I mean, we've been working on projects together. Like the last two Cordon streams, we worked, he had me on the team and it's been really fun. I mean, seeing that, like one of the coolest sets I've ever filmed is probably like, um, like Vane, the, uh, the, I forget what it was. I'm just, with Corona, I'm losing track of time, I'm gonna be honest. But the one that's hardcore that I've helped film, Vane was playing. And it was really amazing to see that from that angle and like be able to, capture what i know people also want to see as a viewer because i'm like damn like when i'm watching his videos i wish they caught this moment of the song so it was really cool to be like i know this part and i'm gonna film this person doing this part and i don't know it, it, it was definitely an interesting but really fun experience i'm definitely gonna continue to do it now that's one of the coolest things i've heard <laughs> there's always people that are willing to say how can i support you but this is a unique scenario where you're like, how do I physically help you? How do I join the team and just do my part? Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from inside of you to do that? Um, I mean, my love to do it. That's really it. I mean, I, I respect Sonny a lot. I've always admired like the videos. I remember when I was younger, I was like, damn, like that'd be so cool if my band got to be on a Hey Five Six video. And I, even my dad, like he watches my bands to this day. He's like, oh, because of Hey Five Six, I get to see all your shows and stuff. So it was something I, I always admired the work. And I, like I said, I've always filmed things since I was younger. So when I see something and I love it, I really pursue it. Like a, a 110%, I don't like to half-ass shit because it's just, just no time for that. So, you know, I, I saw that there's multi-camera angles and, and I see some dudes helping. I was like, I want to be up there. So I just asked him one day. Because I remember he mentioned something about my, my video. He was like, oh, I didn't know you filmed videos. And I was like, yeah, I just like to like make little clips. But So I just hit him up. And I was like, listen, like I'm going to be at the fest these days. When I'm not playing, I would really appreciate if I could help you. And he was like, yeah, I mean, but one dude is not coming. So that would actually be amazing. And so ever since then, I've just been helping him out as much as I could. Before we get into how you would eventually uh, go out to New York, Besides playing drums in Jesus Peace, at what, what was your non-hardcore activities in the Philadelphia area like? I know also you were going to West Philly shows. Mm -hmm. I kind of always crack up. And um, one of the things that was told to me was that at a certain show, you were kind of grabbed by somebody and told like, hey, we don't want you to mosh that hard because we have to protect um, people of color and femmes. And you're like a 95-pound kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was like to me like, like wait of all the people to stop moshing <laughs> Lewis. i was like first of all it was like so weird because it's just like an orange haired dude like white dude like telling me that we need to protect poc and blah 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 i'm like dude you're the last person i want to hear that from so just like get the fuck out of my face i didn't i don't know if i'm allowed to curse on this but you can say like, whatever we're, we're explicit you can say anything you need to say 
I, it just pissed me the fuck off so bad because I'm at the show. I really like the band, <clears throat> and the band's aggressive. So, like, just because you haven't seen me at a show before doesn't mean, you know, if you want to talk to me, talk to me like a man. Like, don't come grabbing people. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like that. And uh, that was just, like, a terrible experience I had. And that's just, like, you know, we can go down a rabbit hole of that bullshit. But No, I just – it's always funny because, like, you're uh, – Aaron has, like, some sets where he moshes the whole time. Yes. Anthony, I call the photo op. He's not trying to be in the pit unless he's going to be the photo op. But <laughs> – guaranteed at some point there's going to be a Lewis something going on. And it's like, Oh, there's Lewis. There you are. You know, like, and with what I was being told that someone grabbed you, was like, Hey, you need to calm down. I'm like, Lewis. Yeah. Cause the one thing I definitely don't like is like making people physically hurt. Like I just like don't gain anything out of that. Like, it's just like whatever to me. So I was just like, you know, jumping and I guess he just didn't, I think he just honestly probably just hasn't seen me around or knows that I'm associated with, you know, more heart or whatever the terms people want to say, like hardcore people, but uh, he just just like probably just out, you know, it was not what he was used to. So he's like, oh, let me just set this guy in place because this is how we do it at our shows or something. That's just bullshit to me, and I just don't like that. But if you want to, you know, if someone is acting up, I think the last thing you need to do is just go up to them. The first thing you do is just start grabbing on them, you know, especially if they have no idea who you are. That's that's how you start fights or crazy shit happening at your show. So I didn't like that at all. Well, what's great is to me is that I would eventually, I would eventually see a video of a punk venue and Aaron's band Hell to Play, Hell to Pay Play, yeah. and it was basically the ultimate fuck you to that. <laughs> it was like the most goon shit I've ever seen, and I seen people just pissed yeah. off about it, and it literally made my day. But I bring it all up because some people, when they join a band like Jesus Peace, the minute a band gets a stature whether it's locally regionally nationally yeah. there are certain people in bands that put their feet up and go well i'm in this band this is all i have to do nah. and that's not you you're you're <laughs> like you're connected to so many different kinds of musics and that was the thing that stayed consistent throughout your entire time is that despite jesus peace becoming a name wherever you guys go mm-hmm. you you kept that young kid vibrant like excitement for live music so you would go to these west Valley punk shows you would go were you going to any kind of electric music at that time yet or not yet no and i was looking for but philly didn't really have anything for that that i knew of um but to be honest it's funny you say that because i didn't really go to that many west philly shows just sometimes because i really you know after especially after that moment i was just like so turned off by that i was like damn that like really like sucked and i don't know i just didn't feel welcome there at all like i was it's funny because i align with how those people maybe dress or look or the style of music they play but i align with the attitude of maybe like someone like like i really respect bands like wisdom and chains who put on for their city and like like just working class people like i really love that like i I, we i don't know how we ever would get along but (laughs) i just like respect and admire that attitude a lot more that just like willing to just like be real and like you know be yourself and like a a real like those to me those people right there are being themselves they're not they're not out for other people to have respect for other people i just really like admire that attitude a lot more so yeah i like the style of that kind of music but i didn't really align with the environment too much otherwise um I mean, obviously, I was going to Govindas a lot, and um, but I was working as like a bike courier for like a couple years, and that really sucked. Um, I don't was, think you could be a Philly hardcore kid that's attached to '90s and veganism 
without being a bike carrier because that was like 90 percent of hardcore uh from like 1994 to 98 at some point you had to ride a bike so that just puts you further in the philly hardcore like (laughs) oh shit he was a bike carrier too anywhere to give in this yeah i i work i used to honestly i used to live in this for a little bit um but yeah i was a bike courier did that i was just hanging out a lot um did you get involved with the iscon at all with that scenario or no um not i mean yeah, i did but not to a degree i well this is kind of where me moving and everything comes into play but i didn't want to give my life up to do that you know what i mean like it was like a give me your first interaction with it because i i grew up going to south street and yeah. I had a completely weird experience with it. So I'd love to hear what the modern ISCON, how they interact with young people from hardcore. Um, well, the okay, so I have a really unique experience. Um, the person at South Street, uh, his name is Hari Asfa. He was actually really beautiful and kind to me. ISCON is a plate as a thing I'm not going to speak on because I understand why anybody would feel some sort of way. And luckily, I had a really good experience um, because he used to take care of like, other hardcore kids. Like I know you Youth of Today and Shelter used to, were growing up going to him and the guys in Prima used to go to him. So he understood what a hardcore kid was and he, uh, he definitely um, res- was showed respect for that. But at the same time, he was just, you know, he wanted me to be very serious about like being like, a, a, you know, a brahmachari in the temple. And like, it was getting to a point where I was kind of had to like make a decision where I was like, if I, you know, if I want to live, if I want to live here and do this and I have to do this or I have to, you know, be that, you know, and I didn't, I, I'm not willing to give up my talents, you know, to do something else. I felt, I felt like I needed to have balance in my life. So I think that that's where he was wrong. Um, no disrespect, but um, it was, I don't know. It was an interesting experience. They, they welcomed me and they were really nice and I really liked it. It was obviously a lot different than what I was used to. Cause I was never into religion or anything. I was very much, very much against it. So it was an interesting experience to start out with, but, you know, it was one of the first times because I was really into yoga. So that was like, it was, it felt like more authentic yoga to me because I was going to classes and all that bullshit and I didn't like it, but I met people who like were speaking to me in a way where I was like, okay, this totally makes sense. And I wanted to change up my attitude in my life a lot. Cause I used to be a lot different as far as like my mental health and everything goes. Now it's always interesting to me because you know, the nature of punk rock is to be immediately anti-dogmatic, anti-authoritarian. Mm-hmm. So religion is attacked at all levels. But within it, there's obviously this little space where ISKCON and Krishna Hardcore kind of has its own niche. Yeah. And I feel like there's always people who can, you can be both. You could be anti-dogma, but still seek out spirituality. Yeah, And I know that just for me, but just stretching more and, and doing some small yoga poses through jujitsu, there is a want to have some mental connection that's beyond just the basic. Do you think that's what first opened you up to that? Exactly what it is. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, I think I was living in a, a, a point in my life, before, you know, I was living in Allentown and stuff where I was going through a lot of stuff and I was really blaming everyone all the time for all my issues and just going through a lot. Obviously this goes along with growing up, but you know, it kind of, it was a good discipline in a way that I didn't necessarily like want, but I needed, you know what I mean? Like it was like, I took, I started taking responsibility for like my own problems and looking at things differently and looking at people with more respect. And like, it just like helped me like a, a whole lot. And like, yeah, like I don't necessarily agree with 
like anybody being like, you, know, you have to believe in God or do this and that. You know, I don't think that at all. I, th- I do think that we should all have a time in our lives where we humble ourselves a little bit and maybe see things from a different perspective because the, the world is not really all about us. It's like, it's a bit bigger than that. So it's, it's interesting to everyone has their own experience. And that was, that was mine. Now, um, unless I'm mistaken, you had already did some touring before you decided to move to New York, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, Again, we're all from Pennsylvania. It's a different perspective the minute you start traveling and seeing different things. How much did you, as an inner city kid from Pennsylvania, feel once you started seeing the exposure of all these other places in our country and then later in touring out outside of our country? I mean, it's really beautiful, to be honest. It made me really um, uh, give, it made me respect a lot. It made me love home and respect home a lot more, but also it was just like really great to be exposed to a lot of different people, a lot of different things. I mean, if we're talking strictly America, like, you know, being able to like see how other people live and even like in the Midwest and how committed they are to wanting to have hardcore and stuff, they'll like do anything. And like, you know, going out to California. I mean, I remember driving into California for the first time. We were like screaming in the van, like, yes, we, we can't believe we just did this. We just drove to California. And like, it was like our first year being a band. We were so pumped because, you know, Sound and Fury asked us to play. And, you know, we all never thought it was all new to us. Like, no, nobody in our band has ever done anything really worth talking about, you know, like, so we were just all so pumped. And it was just really cool to see, like, how other kids would, like, give it up in the pit or, you know, how they support you and how, what, what, like, venues they have or what they do to even go through booking a show. Like, it's just really cool. Like, like it's beautiful how hardcore can really affect so many lives in so many different places. And obviously every scene has different circumstances with how they have to do things, but it's cool that somehow they all make it work a little bit. Now being in the van with Jesus peace, everybody has their own vibe. Yeah. But I imagine once that van door opens, most of you guys kind of go into your own corners. What's the stuff that you guys, that you specifically look to do when you're at shows and the kind of people that you link up with and some of the stuff that you were excited about your first exposure to these new things. Um, we, I mean, this obviously depends on where we're traveling because every country is like a little different, but if we're talking about just us, um, cause I can speak on like Japan and cause that's a different vibe and Europe is obviously a different vibe and depending it's situational, but when we're in the U S like, Obviously, everyone, honestly, we have, like, these moments where we're all spazzing in the van, like, having a lot of fun listening to music and going crazy. And then, obviously, like, week two of the tour, everyone's pissed off sometimes. You know, Aaron's usually in the back, like, mad because <laughs> maybe he didn't, he didn't smoke weed yet and he just needs to relax and he's just tense. And then I get tense. And everyone, honestly, everyone in Jesus Peace is, like, super um, hard-headed and, like, t- and, like, we're all opinionated so sometimes we all just like bump heads a little bit but i mean depending on where we are like we just we all like to do things together like go to see things but when we're at the show like aaron usually has like a lot of friends and a lot of different other scenes and i'll either meet up with people depending on where i am or i'll just like read or me and john will go skate or really depends like and dave just like either hangs out with us or you know you can find him just like chilling in the venue sometimes he'll take a nap because he drives for us a lot so now you would eventually not only just win the hearts and minds of basically the entire country with the first traveling out, but it's got to feel something amazing 
when you're on it. We had just talked to Scott Vogel a couple episodes before yours mm. about the knock loose terror, Jesus peace, you're the knife. There has to be something awesome about being asked to be a part of a tour that's like a full ass blockbuster, full US like that. Yeah. And sorry, go ahead. And I wanted to get your experience because obviously you kind of came from the DIY punk world. And then here you are on a big, like legit tour with some of the bands that you're just like, holy shit, I can't believe we're on stage with these guys every night. Yeah. I mean, that tour was interesting for me because at first I didn't actually want to do it because I was like, uh, I'm like pretty, I was like pretty anti, like, uh, like knock loose and stuff. And, um, I didn't really know Tara all that well. Cause I was not, that's not the kind of hardcore that I really grew up with, but everyone was just like, you know, we got to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I'll do it because you guys say it's cool. And I was like really close minded about it. And, um, that tour right there was maybe one of our most memorable tours. Like I learned right there, like you cannot judge people just based off what you know, the music they play or what they're perceived to be, because that's what people used to do to us or maybe still do to us. And people have, have this idea, it's like, oh, well, Jesus Peace is just a bunch of beat down assholes or this and that. And, you know, it's, and it's funny that people think that. And, and that, that's kind of what I thought about Knuckles. I was like, oh, it's just like metalcore kids, like whatever. But they were actually really, really nice and like really cool. And we got, we got along really well. And, you know, I've learned that you don't have to like someone's fucking like music to respect them as a person and, you know, acknowledge them and don't be like, a, come off like a dick, like right away. And that, you know, humbled me a lot. And it was really cool. I mean, every show on that was sold out. I got to meet a lot of amazing people. Touring with Tara was really cool. Hanging out and hanging out with Scott was really cool. Cause I got to know him a lot more and <laughs> he used to just talk to me about like Krishna and make fun of me and stuff. It's, it, uh, it was really fun. It was amazing to be a part of like, a bill like that. I think the a bills like that are the, some of the most important things to happen in hardcore because it, it, that's what helps it grow and like continue in my opinion. What I've said about it in that regard is that's one of them tours every couple years there's a tour that comes through with a couple bands mm-hmm. that is for the people that have been established in the scene that's like this was one of the coolest shows of all time but there's going to be kids that are going to say that was my first big hardcore show. Exactly. And so that's why it's such a foundation important thing, because we will definitely see the fruits of that tour give birth to bands where some kids going to say in an interview, well, I saw knock loose and terror and Jesus piece together. And that really got me psyched on hardcore. Mm-hmm. Some kind of tours are super important. And what you, what you touched on is actually why I asked you about that tour. You, and definitely not the you were definitely the unique individual within that band uh jesus peace and mm-hmm. they're at some point every band gets pigeonholed musically and then there is an attachment to the personalities and i feel and i have to ask you do you push back in a punk rock way like fuck i'm not going to be this way or are you naturally I'm going to go out and be my own. Like, is there any pushback from not wanting to be pigeonholed? Is like, we're just a metal core, like the way that you are. No, I mean, I mean, if people want to pin- pigeonhole us, that's their issue. And what they, what they think we're not really concerned about what people want to say or do. Cause since the beginning, people have always said a bunch of shit. We've decided as a band that we're never, ever going to acknowledge that bullshit. And we're just going to keep going harder and harder. Cause you know, from the beginning we were supposed to, according to people, we were supposed to be a hype band for a month and that was supposed to be it. You know what I'm saying? So if we sat here and like argue with people and like acknowledge that shit, like it would do nothing but, you know, fire the flame, whatever they're bored. 
tweeting about whatever. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and I just keep, I, I can't, I don't think it's physically possible for me to like change, like, like pretend to be something that I like, I'm not. So it's like, I'm always just going to keep being mean. If people want to personally know us beyond our music, that's their prerogative. And like, you know, they'll, they'll do that. And that's why it was interesting for me with Not Lucy. It's like, if I never met them, I still would probably feel the same way. I was like, that band is ass. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with them. But, you know, getting to know them as people, it was like really interesting and like humbling for me to be like, okay, I have to like chill with like the judgment, you know, just based off what people say or what, what I see on the internet or, you know, that shit. That can be really toxic for your scene and for yourself, really, you know? I also think it was important for you at the stage where Jesus Peace was at to see the way like a full-time working band yeah. does a tour mm-hmm. and being exposed to both knock loose and terror kind of gave you guys like a little, like a lesson of, Oh shit. This is how the guys who like live and do this. Mm-hmm. This is how they tour. What mm-hmm. were some of the take takeaways from that tour in that regard? Um, that if you, <laughs> if you work really hard, you can, you know, you actually can go beyond just like playing your local scene and playing the same basements to the same kids. And um, I think one of the greatest things was just like taking pictures with kids or when they asked us to sign shit, like that was like, you know, we didn't get like an ego off that. Like, oh, like this is so, like we just felt like honored. Like I was like, are you sure you want like me to sign this? Like that's crazy. And to me, that's like beautiful because I remember what that was like, like going to shows and even it was just like, you know, a punk band that I was seeing, but I was, you know, to me, there was such a big deal and like they were like my heroes, you know, and like I would have loved to take a photo with them and I was, or I was too shy to ask. But and it was cool to see that the that full cycle of things where it's just like a young kid being like, yo, like you guys are amazing. Can you please sign my shirt? Like and it's just it was just cool to play beyond just hardcore kids. And I really liked that because I, I felt like the because we were being ourselves the entire time. We we didn't change the way we were as if we were playing this is hardcore, we were playing all those shows, you know? So it was like it was like I mean if you were being exposed to, I guess, hardcore. And it was, I think, I don't know, I'll get stumbling on my words, but I just, cause I feel, feel so many emotions about it, but I just think it's so important. Cause I just know what it's like to want to be a part of something that you're not too sure about. And then you get introduced to it. And then that you continue your journey from there. Cause like, even to this day, like, you know, when we play in, in different parts of the country, kids are like, yeah, I first saw you guys with knock loose and it was amazing. So that's why I'm here today. And like, that's just, I think that's beautiful. Cause like, you know, next, maybe next time we tour, we get to tour with another hardcore band. They're, they're more exposed to more and more hardcore. And then they're like, oh, I didn't even know there was hardcore shows here. I just heard of Knock Loose and this is really cool. And I, I don't know. I like that. I like the idea of a younger kid watching us being inspired, starting his own band and wanting to grow, maybe grow his scene in fucking Idaho or something. I just think that's so cool. One of the things that is a Philadelphia tradition that you've carried on is kind of being one of these bands that goes beyond our city. There's so many bands of ours that never really got even to the level that Jesus peace has. And we've never had a band that is like a simple format, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, you guys are now the band, you know, previously it was blacklisted. And I love the idea that you guys have your own individuality. And so, but there's a, there's a deep respect and there's never this hometown too cool vibe and it's and it's something that i really appreciate and it goes back to what i said earlier 
once the band started, you guys never stopped representing for us and for the bands. And in fact, it was your guys's videos that actually put me onto what Gulch was and to oh, what right. Bloodbather was. Yeah. And I would later have both of them bands on the festival because yeah. you're playing shows with these bands. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like thinking about this. Yeah. Dude, that's like actually one of the coolest things about touring in general is being able to see it. I mean, obviously you can't watch every band on every show, but when you're excited and you heard about a band and you're going to their scene, because when luckily for us, like, well, not always luckily, but sometimes we'll headline like a show and like usually they want to bring like cool bands on the bill. Like, and that's always so sick to see. It was like, you know, I would never, if I was not in Jesus Peace, I would have never seen Gulch unless you brought them to the fest. You know what I mean? Because I was never going to California to go see them. So I think it's really amazing. I think one thing to acknowledge is when we went to Japan, literally every band there was amazing. Every night, I think I watched almost every band. There's just one band, Cruelty, that's just been, they're so amazing. And the kids there, even more committed than anyone I've ever seen. Like the, they're just so pumped on life and, and music and just so excited. That shit to me is like inspiring. But uh, yeah, yeah, like what you said, I could, you saw the videos i think it's just us like being able to like see that around the world and it's just i, I guess i'm super honored and pumped to be able to see all sorts of the best hardcore bands now what made you decide that you need to step away from philadelphia and move out to new york it wasn't actually it wasn't too much of an option like i actually never wanted to move to new york and this is funny because you're the one of the first people i'm talking to about this publicly because i when i even when i moved to new york i didn't really announce that i was moving to new york I didn't actually really tell anyone, just like my really close friends, because, you know, I had to. But um, at the time, the band was going through stuff and um, I was working at a grocery store, which is not my vibe at all. No, no disrespect to anyone who works at grocery stores because I admire hard work. But I was just so focused on like wanting to be an artist and like wanting to expand and like do my thing. And I felt like every day I was spending there was just like another, like I was just becoming like, like a dead body just like scanning like groceries all day and like I, I have a really close friend of mine that we grew up together in Allentown who's doing a lot of good things here in New York and he said um you know what have you what have you been doing lately I was just like oh because we we rekindled we, we our friendship over um a, over a PS4 game called Fortnite <laughs> and then he was like uh you know I need I, I actually need someone to model for something so if you can just take a bus out here to New York you know um I, I, I you know, I want you to be a part of this. So I was like, okay, cool. So I did one shoot for him and it was sick. And I spent some time here and I really liked it. Cause I actually always hated New York. I just thought it was super annoying. And this, this city is just like super abrasive and everyone's a dickhead here. So I was just like, all right, whatever. I'm, I'm just gonna go back home. Was in Philly, going back to the grocery store. He's piece again, wasn't really doing much. And, um, you know, he hit me again, like, you know, I have other ships for you to model. So I came back, hung out more. And eventually he was like, yo, I just got an apartment. It's up to you. I'm moving in next week. Do you want to move in? I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I just quit my job. You know, I was living in a, like a crazy house in West Philly and I just packed my things up and just went over in New York. And I just kept it low key because I just didn't want to make it like a goodbye Philly because that's not what it was to me. You know what I mean? I just had to it was time for me to just uh change the atmosphere what's up change the atmosphere yeah i needed to change the atmosphere but also like um I, especially after i decided like i'm not going to be doing the temple full-time or anything like that i just wanted to like i realized that when 
I don't want Jesus peace just to be my identity like that. Cause that's not just me at all. And, you know, we weren't doing things. We were going through, we were going through issues. So I was just like, if I don't have that, I don't want to feel lost. So I was like, really like, I'm going to get in my, like, get in my bag and be like, okay, let's do this. Like, I want to like focus up and really just like, you know, pursue things I always love to do, but on a bigger scale and like really kind of like take myself a little more serious and like focus on thinking about what I want to do. And besides just being like playing music. So I came out here and just like kind of did that and just, uh, I'm still working on it. You know, uh, a previous podcast guest brought me into two thoughts, exposure and access. Yeah. And I, in Philadelphia, has a limitation on exposure and access and some cities like new york cities like la are burgeoning with a completely different vibe than philadelphia Mm -hmm. philadelphia you grind out day to day you get your job and it's the music that you release but it you're not going to find a giant conclave of artists or there's definitely not i don't know many models from philadelphia so it, it makes total sense that as you're trying to drive yourself beyond just being a band guy that you need to leave the city to get there. Yeah. How was your first reaction to this modeling gig? Um, it was really interesting. I was like nervous. I mean, the first thing I ever did was like walk some, like there was a vintage store called the break and they asked me to, to walk their show. And I was like, Oh, okay. I've never done that, <laughs> but I'll, I'm definitely down. Like, cause I was, I was at a point where I was, I've, I've never been really afraid to try new things. And I've always loved like, you know, dressing up and doing whatever I wanted, I guess, and and kind of expanding beyond like what I'm used to, and um, but always still maintaining my I, like my who I am because like I still will be straight edge forever and <laughs> and still love hardcore to the day I die. So I'm not gonna change up just because I'm in a different environment. But I love to expand, do different things, and um, but yeah, when I walked to that show, it was like really cool. I met a lot of interesting people, and I was like pretty. I was definitely like never experienced something like that the people were pretty interesting but it was crazy to walk out on like a cat or you know walkway and did they teach you no i just walked <laughs> i remember this is funny i never admitted this but i remember i was in my like room the day of and i was like oh my god like I have to, should i like film myself walking or like how should i do this and i had like my one friend be like they're like yeah i think that looks okay they're like maybe just relax your face because i was like okay you know what i have to like at least try and like, I, I don't know, I went into it, like, I'm just going to be myself and just see if that works. And they, they really liked it. So they had me, every time I've ever walked with them, they had me in some crazy clothes. So I, I really like that a lot too. What's interesting is that this is, this conversation is pretty much the kind of conversation you get out of you is where you're vibrant, but it takes a lot to get you to speak. And <laughs> so you, you have an introversion. So yeah. I don't like to speak about myself too much because I don't like to. I, I could see, I could see the discomfort just as you're talking about it, but at the same time, is you are ex- super expressive when you do yeah. express yourself, and I, I'm the most, you know, I pour concrete. I'm a construction dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, I see my young friend out here doing some modeling shit, and it's like, yeah, you're a good looking son of a bitch, but I'm like, how the fuck? become a model so i didn't know if you went to new york and took classes so the fact that you just like you just said fuck it i'm doing it is great yeah that's literally what it was so i think a thing with modeling now it's a lot different than what it was maybe when it's not zoolander yeah it's not really i mean it is still like that to be fair but it's like a thing right now where they want like they want rawness they want real people they like they like that people who are accidentally models or like they don't want like 
I mean, if you want to do commercial shit, obviously you got to have that look that, um, you know, that Zoolander shit. But uh, for the stuff I'm doing, they really liked that I came from like, a, like I actually came from hardcore and I'm really into like this, like quote unquote edgy stuff, like they say. So they were like, oh my God, like he has like tattoos, but his face like looks good. Like we love this. And he has a shaved head. Like they, they just like really eat off of that, of that identity, which is like so funny because like, just doesn't make any sense because they have this like idea like the people in that world just like don't even like they have no idea it's just a romanticized like idea of what what they think punk is or hardcore is and they see someone like me which i don't even think i'm the most edgy looking person either but they, they're just like oh my god like it's so cool i don't know it's kind of dumb but i i don't have any discomfort like talking about modeling i just like sometimes feel so stupid like talking about myself too much when it comes to that because i don't i don't like coming off arrogant or like weird and, but it's just like no, yeah. no 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 what what i see is you struggling not so much to describe what's going on yeah but you don't like that's why you're a drummer and that's why you like to be behind the camera you know like it's, it's so it's just a, such a weird situation for you because now you're in front of the camera yeah and so, but you had mentioned before, just with the the different clothing and the different, you know, stuff. Do you think that being a model allows you to explore things that you normally wouldn't naturally want to do on your own? Like, you're not just going to go dress like this in the street. So does it give you the chance to explore? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's opened my horizons a lot. It, gives, it gave me a lot more confidence in myself. I think moving here overall, like, I kind of changed the way I looked at myself and the way I presented myself to people. I feel a lot more confident and happy. And um, I think that goes along with saying like, you know, my surroundings and my, the people that support me are like really amazing. I kind of went here thinking like, I'm not going to come here just to work again. Like I was doing in Philly. If I'm going to come here, I really got to pursue what I want to do and like go at it 110, just like everything else. So like, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing. And yeah, it's like, if it, it feels weird, like, be in front of the camera sometimes but i also like really enjoy it and i like it and i just i you know i'm just it's something i'm getting used to like i don't know anybody from the hardcore scene like modeling or doing anything like this so i can't, I can't really talk to anyone about that but um, is this is this something that's structured in the way that someone's like we need to build you or is this completely like diy in the modeling way like i i, I don't have an agent so a lot of the times it's either um random people hitting me up off like instagram or um my roommate he shoots he's a photographer so he shoots a lot of big campaigns so he'll just have me on stuff you know because he thinks i he thinks i look good for whatever he's shooting so uh, have- you look cool as shit standing next to uh one of the most recognizable people in the nba you gotta give us the the, the lowdown on that because I was scrolling through and I showed my wife and she's like, Oh my fucking God. <laughs> There's actually more photos from that shoot dropping and they're way cooler than the first ones. So, uh, give um, me, give me the backstory to that. Cause I, it, to me, it's not, I'm not laughing at, I think it's absolutely incredible that, you know, I, I watched you do this band for the last four years. Yeah. You've grown to be someone that represents our city in Philadelphia, hardcore in the most positive ways. And now you're standing with one of the most recognizable celebrities in a photo shoot and you're nonplussed. Like, yeah, man, I belong here. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking cool as shit. <laughs> it was, it was really fun. I mean, he's, he's, he's actually a lot different than what I thought he was, but I'll give you the let down first. Um, so the company Ugg boots, they were like looking to shoot a campaign and they, um, 
my friend's agent hit him up and they're like, yo, they want you to shoot the campaign. They really like your vibe and your style, but you have to cast all the people. So he was like, okay, cool. Uh, he's really about like bringing, all, making all his friends like really involved in all his projects. So he had all, everyone in that cast and that photo that you see right there is like our close friends, except for Dennis Rodman. But Dennis Rodman is a really big fan of my roommate. He like really likes, you know, his work. And one time he even like DM'd him and was like, hey, but <laughs> like really random out of nowhere. And then, so my friend one day was like, damn, like, cause they were like, they're, they're willing to, they have the budget to bring like someone really cool on the set. Like, who should we do? So we were like thinking of like different like rappers and like stuff like that. Like we were like, ah, and then randomly he just texted me. He was like, yo, Dennis Rodman's going to do the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He was like, he's an icon and it would just be really cool to have him along with us. And, you know, when they confirmed it, we couldn't believe it. We were, we were all actually like, dude, this is fucking crazy. Like, and even the agent was like, I'm not going to believe it. So he's actually here like, on on set. And so we had a dinner the night before the, the shoot and he literally showed up in sweatpants and some sandals at some like restaurant. And it was, it was like not a restaurant. It was like a, we had like a private thing going on in like some, I don't know, bar-ish thing. Cause it was like Corona. So we couldn't go to like a restaurant. Yeah. They showed up off the plane, sweats, glasses on, walked downstairs, and started eating salads with his hands. How, how much tall? How much taller is he than you? Mm, honestly, I thought he was gonna be way taller, but he is really fucking tall. He's like, I mean, you'll see. I, I'm I'm not allowed to post the photos or anything. Yeah. Um, I have a photo with him holding my head. He's like grabbing my head, and he's like much taller. I mean, his whole <laughs> hand is covering my entire head. <laughs> it's really cool. But, um, but no. he's just out there just grabbing salads with his hands? With his hands. And he was, he, dude, it was so weird. I was just like talking to him as, you know, very normal. I don't really get that starstruck about people. But, and um, I was just like, you know, like, what's going on? Like, he was like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, PA, like Allentown area. And he was like, I know Allentown. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what happened was I didn't tell him I was from Allentown. I told him I was from PA philly area because i always say that because no one really knows allentown and he asked me do you know what allentown is i was like are you serious like you really just asked me that and he was yeah i know allentown that was it was so random he said he like knew some one of his friends lives there and he used to go there sometimes to visit it was really random but he, he he's actually really shy and like just to himself but he's cool he he, he has like a flip phone and he just listens to Rush on his iPad in between. Like when we were taking photos, he just has a cigar and just chilling. He's really just like laid back and just like to himself. That's so cool. And yeah. it's what's it. It's just a different world from ours. So <laughs> yeah. it's a portal into something like, well, this is a story I have to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it's been maybe not that exciting, but it was really cool to like just hang out with him and be with him. He was like, and I just remember he was like so pumped. He was like, yeah, you guys here, you guys are the future. I can see that. <laughs> and that was really cool to hear from him too. Cause he's like such an icon, especially in like, I mean, within basketball, but also within fashion and everything. So it's just, well, really let's cool. get into that. Is, is modeling something that you are dialed in with on the fashion side of things? Like I, I, I'm, I am obviously not. So I have no, I have no base of reference to, how someone would be uh, involved in that world, but is there stuff that you have to like, like, is there stuff that you have to like research and look into, or are you kind of already up on brands and things from streetwear and videos and what have you? Um, I, I only, I know some stuff just because of friends. So I work at a store called Noah in New York 
Noah clothing and like um, that's how kind of how I got more introduced into like different brands and modeling for them and because um, I don't just do modeling within the fashion world I like film videos for people I like help uh, like I assist on shoots I do a lot of different stuff I just like modeling is mainly the only thing I really post or make public because like other parts of my life I'm just pretty private about but um I like to uh I think I you don't really have to research things I, I utilize my Instagram a lot and I post myself in like different kinds of like funny outfits or just things that I really like and like I'm myself on there but that's how I get booked for like a lot of gigs especially if you don't have an agent a lot of uh, people pay attention to how your face looks or what you're doing and you know you get casted like that like you'll literally get dms like hey we're doing this shoot for this designer this person next week we would love to bring you in for a casting if you're open to it and then that's really how it goes now do you think because you had to work within the band construct that you're already able to use social media to kind of leverage yourself in that environment um i mean i never took social media that serious until i really moved here and i still don't take it necessarily serious but i use it more as like a job as opposed to like this is what i'm doing it in my everyday life you know what i mean like i just i'm just more strategic with how i like do things with that and like and socialize and things um yeah i mean with the band i was just like we're here in europe like that, that was really it and like i because i run the jesus peace instagram so that's mainly what i do when i'm, when I'm doing the band stuff i just keep it on the band side obviously i promote our us on, on, on my platform but for my side is i'm using i use it more or less just to communicate with like uh different people when it comes to like modeling but also staying in touch with friends and now djing and doing all sorts of different music well that's that's what i'm going to get to next do you think that because of social media do you think also because of the kind of social circles that exist in new york versus philadelphia that you were able to join these other circles, both in modeling and later in DJing? Um, yeah, I mean, social media helps with literally everything. Um, whether people like it or not, it is our present and poss possibly future. So it's good to utilize those things. And, um, I definitely don't think that you should take people's Instagrams and how they look on there. And like, that's how you approach and judge them. Because a lot of people say I look like a total fucking dick on the on the internet when they meet me they sound like pretty nice so that's that's kind of cool <laughs> but it's interesting like you see someone on the internet and you think you have this like preconceived notion of who they are and what they are and what they're going to be like and then you meet them so actually a lot of my friends in new york i met through either work or you know being at the store or you know my friends that i have all right so it's like actually organic interaction that made yeah, you no i i have a really hard time like making a lot of friends to begin with like or like trusting like to bring people like you know, I don't like being like, this is my best friend. This is my best friend. So like, you know, if I'm going to meet someone, I prefer to meet them organically. And like, or if there's some, some sort of medium that we both relate on and I'm not really that interested in like, I don't know what they do or who, like, as far as like, you know, the cloud and kind of shit like that, I'm more interested in how they handle themselves and the respect they have and like the commitment they have to the, what their passion and things. Those are the kind of people I get along with the most. So most of that, most people like that, I was like, I met through work. Like a lot of my friends at the, are like from the store. Yeah. Or through like skating and stuff like that. Now your first exposure to not just the, the, the kind of music, but you you said previously the kind of, the kind of DJ stuff that you were interested in was in New York. So yeah. how'd you get to do your first one? No, my, the first time I ever knew about electronic, not the new, but I was like, like, what was your first interaction with DJ in, in New York? Like, like going to a party. Um, 
Well, I mean, Being someone who's a DJ, how did you get linked into that world? When I was in Europe, I was, I mean, I've always listened to uh, Gabber Techno and stuff like that. But when I was in Europe specifically, I found, so there's this medium called the Boiler Room. And they like, they like randomly, like, they're like the Hey Five Six of electronic music, but in a terrible way. Like they're not, I mean, I'm not going to talk shit on the Boiler Room, but <laughs> I don't want to compare them. But that's how a lot of people find out about more popular DJs. It's like through that medium. And it's like, you know, that's, they like host parties and they, they stream it because most parties are never streamed or documented that I know of. Like you're usually from what I know, you're not really allowed to like bring out your phone. I mean, it depends on like where it is, but anyway, I found this, um, an artist named Kilborn and she's like a really like, it's so rare in America and in my view of things that anyone plays anything really hard. Like when it comes to the electronic world, like when it comes to Gabber techno, hard industrial, things like that, it's very far and few in between. So seeing that on a medium as popular as the boiler room was like, and then it was also in New York. I was like, I have to meet this person like this. I was so into it. So I was in Europe at the time, but when I got back to New York, I messaged them and I was like, yo, like, um, I'm really interested in filming you one day. Like, cause I see I found your Instagram and I see that you're playing like uh, a party in Brooklyn. And I, it would be really cool if I could like make a personal video of you. Cause I like to do like profile videos of different interesting people I make. And she responded. I was like, yeah, it's, it's so cool that you hit me up. Cause I'm actually like a fan of Jesus piece too. So it's really sick. And I was like, Oh, like it was, it was like the two worlds like collapsed, like crashed right there. I was like, this is just, like amazing. Cause, and then that's how we started our friendship and really through her. Like I, um, you know, it was cool meeting other people and that, in that world because i never no one in hardcore really knows anything or not knows anything but cares about like electronic music or grab techno or anything like that so that was like my first like uh i don't know ray friend or something now did you start just going as an attendee and how quick did you think like i can do this um i never thought i even wanted to do it my dad was uh, a dj growing up so i was i i have like videos of me like like spinning drum and bass and like acid techno on his techniques when I was like really young. <laughs> and, um, but I never thought like, yeah, I'm going to be a, I want to be a DJ. <laughs> um, so I always started as an attendee and it was just like really cool. Cause I don't, I didn't really go to that many hardcore shows out here. Only a couple, but I may, I mainly took the bus to Philly and went to those shows. And, um, but, but when I, it was really, it's sometimes really hard to find those kind of parties unless you like know people. And so when I linked with her, she would tell me a, a lot about them and I would just go as an attendee. And it wasn't really until everything shut down that I really started getting, wanting to be like serious about it, about wanting to DJ parties and things like that. Cause I always felt like it was such a douchey thing to want to be a DJ. Cause there's a million people who say that they're DJs and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I don't know, fuck it. I'm just going to try and I can be, everything I spin is different than whatever else is spinning anyway. So it felt good to just like try something new. Now, um, for people who are unaware of like the physical, what you're doing, when you say spinning, are you finding music? Are you creating loops? Are you using MIDI? Like what is the exact stuff that you're up to? Cause I uh, see the, I see the videos and I just see you literally rocking out. And I actually saw one video where it's you with the tables and there's Aaron jumping around. Everybody's jumping around. Yeah. But I'm not really aware if you're if you're like doing the old school two turntable or if you've got a MIDI. And then I've seen videos of you in your uh, 
your your bedroom or you're in your in your apartment doing stuff so kind of lay down like the kind of stuff that you're doing so even within that um i don't like to just do one thing but i really like the when i'm out and playing i'm, I'm spinning old either old school hard, hardcore tracks or, like hardcore techno tracks or um you know i'm obviously like digging for this stuff and then i put it on usb and there's this new it's not really turntables they're like a more uh, modern version called cjs and it's an electronic version of that so i'm just literally doing everything old school but in an like the physicality of old school, like the two turntables, but imagine in a modern way. So I'm just mixing songs and like trying to control the party, I guess. But when I'm at home, I'm um, I'm trying to teach myself how to produce right now. It's like kind of a painstaking process because I hate, because I'm more of like a hands-on kind of person and I have an idea of what I want things to sound like. And it's like, I feel super like, it's like learning math kind of <laughs> like you're like, you see this program and you're like, okay, I want to make the, kick drum to sound like this, but you have to EQ it and do all this crazy shit. So are you using Reaper or one of them? I'm using Ableton. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just right now I'm during Corona in general, I'm just trying to utilize my time and stay busy and not trying to be stagnant in any way. Cause obviously I can't do things with Jesus piece besides right, which we are doing. Um, but I don't want to just work, go to sleep, wait for the next fucking lockdown. I just want to keep myself busy, keep progressing in any way, whether it's, video, you know, music, DJing. I just like to stay busy. And that's why it's hard for me to like say like, oh, when I, I'm going to continue doing this. It's really difficult because I really like to dip my feet in a lot of things. And I mean, music is obviously my first love. So I'll always lean towards that first. But yeah, I've just been staying really busy. But yeah, sorry, I got off track. In my room, I'm... Uh, learning to produce and I'm also just practicing mix mixing and sometimes I record mixes for different people who ask me. Um, recently I did a mix for my friend Aurora who uh, she asked me to be on her radio show in France. It's called Rinse FM. It's like a, a radio station out there. And um, that was really cool. Cause it was like my first like bigger platform. I got to be on as like a, a DJ and then, She's going to host like another thing with a lot. I've just been getting involved with like different radios, just kind of like branching out and like meeting new people. It's been really interesting and fun. Uh, when we toured Europe, often we would find ourselves staying at the venue. Yeah. And a lot of these venues would turn into different dance nights. Yeah. And I, I was exposed to a lot of stuff. And I told you before, I was really into minimal stuff like Buka Shade. Yeah. And, um, there was definitely entire early This Is Hardcores where nothing but Buka Shade was playing in between songs, between bands. And it was very chill, very minimal. Um, it's a, it's an interesting situation when you hear electric music and mm. those old beats. And then you hear um, like old rave, American old rave. You hear like almost like a little bit of weird break beats and like the build up or the breakdown. There's a lot of similarities between the way classic music is composed and the way old electronic music is. And then up to now the, the fast pace of like the hardcore techno and these crazy, but they still have this, this build up to the break. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm very insulated and I would say not, um, I, I won't, I don't really talk about this much because I listen to it but you're never going to see me at a rave, you know? Because <laughs> I remember when um, we were at FYA, me and you, I ended up at the castle. and you were Hell standing, yeah. You were standing in, in, near the bar just chilling, talking to people, and you grabbed me and you were like, 
<laughs> you're like, see, you right here, you're showing me that you're different, and I love that. And just so you know, I do like this, and I love minimal techno. I'm not really into this, but I love the environment. You were just like, being so positive, and I remember in my head, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, did Joe just tell me that he liked like minimal techno? I never just... I never in my life would have thought you have said something like that. And I was like, I was so pumped to hear that though. I was like, that's so cool. Cause yeah. I always looked at you as someone who was not one direction as much as people want to pigeonhole you. I was like, yeah, Joe likes a lot of different things. Cause I remember I used to talk to you about black metal and I used to talk to you about all sorts of like different old punk bands. So I was like, Oh, I was like, of course you would know that. So I wasn't that surprised, but also it was really cool to hear you say it like in the flesh. You're wearing like your you're wearing your Phillies hat crooked, you know, your cargo shorts on, you're just standing in this like industrial club, just like chilling. <laughs> just, like, listening to music. It's so hard for me to wear any other kind of clothes. That's, and there's so for you, there's uh, I admire your openness to wear other clothes yeah. and to um, allow yourself to have other images represent you yeah. and, I, and to me I, I have a really shitty self-image so i i kind of keep it so no one can draw attention to me right. so you know that's but that's i wonder how you feel because when we talk you can connect because we know each other do you change emotionally because you're drawing attention to you when you're wearing these different clothes and you're doing this walk no i mean i mean I wear crazy stuff now because <clears throat> not really crazy stuff now, but this is how I always have wanted to dress or how I wanted to be. Like I said before, everything I'm doing now is everything I wanted to do on, on a bigger scale. Like I'm, I'm like, I, I'm being, I feel more confident. Like I'm, I feel like I'm able to just be myself now. Cause I, I feel like I was so suppressed before and I, I had to like look a certain way to do certain things. And I don't know. I feel like really just like comfortable in, in my own skin and like clothing and stuff like that. So, but like I was saying before, like you, you're saying right there, like this is the only clothes I know how to wear, but like that to me is not what matters about a person. And that's why I, what I was saying before is like what a person wears, that does not mean shit to me. It's about how they handle themselves. Like you standing there, I would never expected you to talk about something like that, but you, what you were. And I just, I don't know. I was so surprised. And that, that just goes off what I was saying. Like, I'm just like, I don't care about how people look. It's about how they carry themselves, what they're into, their passion for things. Like, I like that. Like, that's what I relate to the most. And that's what the kind of people I want to be friends with. Like, interesting people. I don't care about how they, what, what their image is, because that doesn't mean anything to me, at least. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I have tons of friends with so many different backgrounds. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I love the diversity and the assortment of humans that exist in this world. And I don't want to be locked into a box with one kind of person yeah, that's the you word. know it, it's funny because i don't even relate to any like techno or rave people like at all it's i mean I'm, i haven't met all of them so i'm not gonna say like they all suck or anything but like i know i don't do drugs and when i'm going to these parties like i'm still i'm probably the only maybe one of the only sober people there and you know they're like really into doing whatever they want to do i'm just like there because i really really love the environment and music especially with gabber techno like the energy feels like I'm at a hardcore show, but it's like way, like obviously way different, but I just really love that feeling of being there. And now bringing myself to being able to play it live and like be it, be a part of like the acts and like being out there watching or feeling that energy is just, it's, it's an amazing feeling. That's I'm glad you touched on the, the thought on being straight edge at these parties. Cause one of the things that when you're straight edge and obviously I'm a 40 year old straight edge, dude, mm -hmm. 
I could be at the castle with a bunch of young guys who are all drunk, losing their mind. Yeah. But I'm, I'm straight and I've always been the one who had to stay sober or not had to, but I am sober. So I'm, maybe I'm a little on edge or maybe I'm like a, all right, I've got 40 baby acts to keep an eye on. And so I can only imagine, and I've been to Europe, I've been to Germany and France at different dance parties, like post-show, actually in Spain as well, during Carnival. Mm-hmm. We were in like to see a drunk maniacs and there's music, like live electric music. And it's not unlike a hardcore show, but it's also completely in its own universe yeah. because the people are dancing in unison versus trying to do something different. Yeah. And the vibe is communal. Yeah. In a, in a very spirited way. And you can easily get swept up in it because as opposed to hardcore where you're like, well, this is my move and I'm trying to do this. I'm going to knock you over. There's a vibe of peace and everybody's into it at the same time. And it's, it's, it's fun. But I also think because I'm straight, it's a little different because I'm like, I'm not lost in some drugged out, like full vibe. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like I think the, what I like about Gabber Techno the most is that it's obviously everyone's really driven by drugs. Well, not everyone, but most people are in that, in that sense. But to me, it's really about the energy and the music and the style of dancing and, it's very raw. It just reminds me of like the punk version of techno. It's literally what it reminds me of. And like, I really am so into that. But um, I mean, when I'm at these parties, I'm so used to being alone in that way. Cause I know ne- growing up, I didn't have straight edge friends until I was maybe 21 or 20. I don't even remember. I never had straight edge friends. So I'm so used to just being alone in that way so that when I go out, it's really no different to me. And I, I don't feel like the, oh, I, I kind of feel like I want to like, fit in because I've been going through that my whole life where it's like, everyone's already drinking i'm good like i'm just doing my own thing i just really love the music that much and then the lights and the feeling of the bass and i don't know i i mean i liked gabber techno since i was a young kid so being able to see it live now in new york has also been full circle because i was like it's something i always dreamed of but i thought that that kind of hardcore hardcore was only in europe or some like dead scene and then seeing it still happening sometimes it's just like amazing. And just being a part of that like community too, is just really cool. Cause there's a lot of amazing people, a lot of great people that you met. It's actually how I met my, my, my girlfriend right now. It's like, it's just, it's really, it's really cool. Like a lot of amazing things can happen when you expand and put yourself out there in ways that you never thought you could see yourself in. You know, um, to accompany what you're saying and to kind of contrast it, I feel like the evolution of where you're at now is just an expansion from the very beginning of our conversation. When you said you began skateboarding, skateboarding, (laughs) well, skateboarding is a really free, uh, free flowing artistic expression. And there's a community and it's very punk. It's very DIY. It's very much like that's your expressive state. These are the people that you interact with. And, you know, just like I noticed that you do a lot of street skate, yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of your videos and there's a fluidity and a cognizant, like trying to make your own skate thing happen. Now you take that into the music that you've done. The fact that you were exposed to hardcore at a young age and going to these DIY things and you see that culture and then obviously Jesus peace. And now you're in a whole nother culture, but all of these things have the same parallels yeah. and there's more common denominators than contrasting points. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like when I go to these things, obviously it feels different 
because there's nothing in the world like a hardcore show, nothing. But at the end of the day, the, like, I just feel like the way I expand myself, I feel like I'm not like a, like a total different world. Like I am, but then I'm not, if that makes sense. Like, I just feel like I'm like a cloud amongst so many different things. And I get to like dip my feet in different things that I love and I'm passionate about. So it's like the common denominators of all these things. I just feel like all meet and me, I guess, like when you said like skating, it's so true. Cause like there's so many different kinds of people within that world. And I don't know. I'm not really sure how to answer that question, but in like a, a strong way, but. No, I think you did. I think you did. I, you know, um, just like with this podcast, all of my guests have bisecting points yeah. and common denominators. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for everything you, you we've talked about, you know, just talking about your, just even the modeling career. Here you are, you're working with your roommate, you're behind the scenes. You said you're working camera work. Mm-hmm. He's hustling. The fact that through hustling, he gets Dennis Rodman. This is so punk rock. Yeah, and this is still so fucking DIY. Like, you're not sitting at the William Morris agency waiting for someone that like everything you're doing, you're doing at your pace. Mm-hmm. So the value is the same, the drive is the same, the commonality of the way that this whole thing interacts is the same. And so, where at a at a distance, you can say, "Man, this kid's into so much crazy different things," but now that we spoke on it, you could see that no, man, it kind of flows from point to point. And they're much more tied together than there are vastly different. Right. I think that when in hardcore, in my experience, at least like I kind of felt it was kind of shamed on to like, like do anything like, or do anything outside of hardcore. Like I know that like, you know, there's a lot of bridges that people don't really want to cross when it comes to that. Cause you know, people have a strong, you know, hardcore in itself, in my opinion, is kind of like a little bit of like a cult. Like you, you know, you you're in it. You know, you're with us. Or you how like what what are you willing to put in? Like how, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like it's pretty intense sometimes. But I I just think it's when you have more than one interest and you're not really fiending to be a lot, be friends with a lot of people and things like that. And you're willing to just cross bridges that you never thought you could or experience things and like you see how big bigger the world is like hardcore is amazing and it's always like the fork it's literally the foundation of my life like a hundred percent like everything i know and live and, and how i look at the world through like you know that's how i found krishna or veganism or i don't even fucking know like my, all my friends that i have now like it's all through hardcore and like but like, you know, I just think it's like important to, to tell people like, it's okay to also expand and do things that you love to do. And like, cause we, I think there's a lot of amazing, interesting people out there, but they don't, they're afraid to put themselves out there, you know, outside of hardcore. Well, my perspective, um, you know, I, I chose at a certain point to kind of get involved in medievalism. Right. Yeah. And I, and I had some, I had a lot of people verbally and online kind of be like you know openly what the fuck is this or like you know what are you doing and you know at the time when i was finding this i needed something to sidestep and to kind of do something different Mm -hmm. i needed and actually you brought up Fortnite at the time when i i actually i have a blood oath to never do uh mmorpg ever again because yeah. I got really crazy onto World of Warcraft. I got like insane on World of Warcraft. Like couldn't sleep with for three days straight. Not getting no no cat man. Like I was legit. 
Like I, and so I replace a lot of that with the sword fighting thing. Yeah. And where hardcore hardcore can sometimes expose its limitations by people saying like, what is this? What is this world? Yeah. And yet what I found was a culture of people just like us, super supportive, very even smaller culture for hardcore, you know, yeah. older than hardcore punk and how long it's been going on. Yeah. Super fucking DIY, very culturally similar, but people look at the aesthetic and immediately attack. <laughs> and, you know, you'll still see like, oh, well, he's a LARPer and all these things. But I think our own intrinsic value is exploring and experience things. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all bring new things to the table that comes back and makes hardcore stronger by exposing ourselves to other things. And I, and at the same time, what you said, hardcore is the foundation of my life. Mm -hmm. Everything that I have job, kids, everything in the world, literally all comes from the people that I met in hardcore. Everything it's it's the it's the well that continues to be the one I draw from. Yeah. And I find that just like you, where we have to expose ourselves to beyond this, because otherwise you're in a echo chamber, you're bottled up, you know. Um, whereas I don't skate, but you know, even jujitsu has so many relations back to hardcore people involved. It you need these other expressions. And yeah. so that's why I've always wrote you like, yo, keep doing this, keep doing this, keep pushing I it. I, seriously, whenever you say that, I like, I'm so appreciative because it's so nice out of everyone. Like, because it's not many people who reach out to me and say that kind of stuff. And it's out of everyone in Philly. It's really nice hearing that from you because I was like, damn, like, I, you know, sometimes you don't think that people are paying attention or maybe you don't see that people are being supported from afar. So like, I never thought like you were actually ever like acknowledging what I was doing, which is okay. Like, you know, you have your own life and everybody has their own life, but just, you know, that message was felt me, it made me feel like, damn, like it's really cool that he's paying attention to what I'm doing. And he's like being really supportive because I was not expecting that at all. So it's really nice. And also it's really cool. Side note that it's, I feel like I've seen you grow so much as like a person and mature and like take responsibility for your, like your life and how you approach things all through BJ. Um, excuse me, BJ. Is it BB, BJJ? Yeah, BJJ. Yeah, yeah. Ever since I've seen you do that, I've just seen you change and grow like an immense amount. Even though you know you're a, you're a grown man, and you do you have a lot of life experiences. It's really cool to see you, you know, kind of mature in that and go for it. For me, and I really appreciate saying that is that again we have these echo chambers and we have these expectations. Yeah. And the the male ego is really frail. Right. At so many levels. And I got exposed to a lot of different things uh, via podcasts and through self-help books that had to strip out all these things. And I had to find where I was deficient, where I was weak, true weakness. And instead of hiding them, embracing them and strengthen them and, and throw out things. Yeah. And I, I said it on um, another episode where, you know, I, I unfortunately grew up in hardcore and I say, unfortunately is, there are people that will know some, you know, the 15 year old Joe hardcore. Yeah. There are someone who's going to know that this 21 year old Joe hardcore punched me in the face. So I hate the 40 year old version. Yeah. And you know, um, like a computer, you have to update yourself. Right. And I'm guilty of times where not updating and correcting myself. And I had to not for anybody else, but for myself grow and push growth and be away be unafraid to change and in a change for myself positively. You know, um, I, 
was getting really heavy and getting negative and I had a very good job that was like literally 60, 70 hours a week working on oil refinery, pouring concrete, it kind of got me in some really bad habits physically. Yeah. And jujitsu was kind of like literally like a pry bar to open all this out. And then as you're cognitively feeling beaten, as you're cognitively feeling weak. And the first couple of times I rolled, I was outside throwing up after, you know, and I'm getting, beat. I'm getting physically beat by people your size and like choked out. And I wasn't, my will wasn't, I'm a fucking pussy. It was, I need to get better at this. I need to make yeah. myself better at this. And through the physical connection of wanting to be better. And then the mental focus you need to have it. I, I just had to strip away a lot of things. And I really appreciate you acknowledging it because there are people that will only know you for what they you're most known for. Yeah. And I That's feel cool. like the more and hardcore, one of the biggest deficiencies in hardcore, once you become a personage of interest or a person that is known, you're known for either the band that this or that you're not able to be a real person anymore. You're not able to have nuances and you're not able to grow. And it's like, I have legitimately grown up in hardcore. My first, I was 13 years old at my first hardcore show. I booked my first hardcore at 17. I'm fucking 40 years old now. <laughs> I can't be the same guy. <laughs> I have to have growth. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate you understanding that. And that's, I think why I even said it to you at a castle. Cause I think you would understand it best. Like, I I love going. I, you know, we used to have a goth club here at Shampoo, a block from Voltage. Every Wednesday night, half the hardcore scene was there. Yeah. 80s night, goth night, there was a midnight mosh. And it was like a great experience. Yeah. But even before that, in um, Delaware Avenue, which is that little cut that goes back to what they call Graffiti Pier, yeah. was a place called The Asylum. That was yeah. the first dance goth night. I got exposed to so much music from that. And you know, obviously I am who I am. I'm fucking Joe Hardcore. This is Hardcore Fest, all the bands, whatever. But there's more to me. Right. And that's why I really wanted to have you on this show because there's more to you. You're not just some kid in a band. You're not going to wear, you know, the one aspect of you as your entire persona. And that's, yeah. it really stands out to me. And that's the importance of having you on the show for me is for you can express and maybe influence people because people look to you and people look to you because you are different and you do stand out. And unfortunately for your very uh, sometimes quiet demeanor, you, you have to lead in some regard and you have to show set a standard. So seeing you being comfortable modeling next to Dennis Robin one minute and doing this insane street slide on the fucking steps in New York, you're <laughs> showing kids that they could do more things, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I appreciate the knowledge of that. It's just, you know, I think something that I've learned over time is exactly what you said. Like, you know, in, hard, in hardcore, people know you as one one thing and they know you at one age or know you as one thing you said or did. And and that kind of like made me like kind of nervous. I was like, man, I really don't want to be known for what I was doing when I was this age or when I was in this band. And I kind of just like buckled down and just like kind of made my what I do a little more private and just let people see certain things. And, you know, because I'm still growing every day and I'm still learning and understanding who I am and what life is. So I think it's important that I, I think that's an, such an important uh, observation is that people will know you for, for what experience they had with you at whatever age or whatever um, specific time. So, you know, I think it's a, 
for me, I'm just growing, learning every day, just trying to figure things out and figure life out just like everyone else. I just, everything that I'm doing, it's just things I love to do. And it's, and I just want to continue making life like a, I want it to be like a big dream, like everything. I don't want to have to just scrape by like my, my, my dad thought I would have to. I want to just embrace life like for what it is and for what the opportunity can, what it can be, you know? I feel like um, the similarities of our background are sim- and very much so. Only my mother was the one who exposed me to music. Yeah. And um, it was my father, though, who impressed me to the construction thing. And you have to have a job, no. you know, and he was a fucking crackhead. Little Jim was an actual crackhead, okay. but still pressed. Like, if you're not making money, you're a piece of shit. So he hated the touring aspect. And I find that the people that don't have much we don't have a structured family life we can flow more freely into oh well this isn't the only way life can be led and i wonder if at times you're going to push back just against the normal life just because you don't want to relegate yourself to the nine to five five day work week i mean yeah that's essentially what i'm doing now me moving here was a big push back against that it was that's literally what i was doing i was working at a grocery store and like who knows what i would have done next and and like i said there's nothing wrong with working a good hard job getting your money taking care of your family and getting through life like that there's nothing i think that's very admirable i think it's amazing but for me personally i just i seen where i'm coming from i was born to fail i was not meant to be doing stuff like this my family everyone works really hard no one graduated or has really any education at all so, you know, they obviously, I understand why they didn't believe in it because it seems like a pipe dream. Like, oh, you think you're going to make a living playing music or doing art or anything like that? Oh, you're not, you know, I didn't even get to go to college and I barely made it through high school too. So I don't even know if I really believed in myself. And I think it was just like with Jesus piece, like, and people recognizing that and everything I'm doing now, it's like, damn, like, you really can do things if you work really hard and like with a little sometimes luck or sincerity in your heart and you, you know, you want it to be a certain way. Like you you can make it happen for yourself. And, you know, I'm not like, I'm not saying I'm like, I've made it or anything like that, but I'm saying like, I feel like I'm on the way to like doing things that I I really love. And I'm so confident and so happy to just keep pursuing that. Cause um, you know, I just don't know what else I, what else I was made to do. Like, this is just who I feel like, this is what I was feel like I was born to do. Like people, people, my family and friends maybe thought I was born to be just like them and, you know, follow suit with how my, how things are supposed to go in my, in my background. But, you know, I really resisted that since I was a young kid. So I'm just like, I'm just taking it day by day and going for it. And just really thankful for anything I get, any opportunity where I'm at right now. Well, I think, you fill a lot of the criteria of previous guests in that you are insanely driven, absolutely creative. And there's a legit obsession that comes when you get tied into things. And one of the great things about your presence is that you're going to keep your eyes not set on one goal, but just explore. And I, and I I know that you're going to achieve just because of the fact that you're free, you're free flowing in ideas and you're malleable. Someone said that the beginner's mind is the best because the person who knows it all can never learn. Yeah. And I find that you're constantly updating yourself and you're constantly teaching yourself new things in the, in the coming world. What are your biggest 
things that you look to do? Um, I really just want to do, I, mean, I said this a couple of times, everything I would love to do. Like, you know, I really want to take video like on a bigger scale. I mean, I have been doing things on a bigger scale, like sh- being able to shoot an UGG campaign to me. Like, do, if you looked at me when I was, if, if my younger self looked at me when I was filming little skate videos when I was younger and they're like, yeah, you're going to shoot a campaign with Dennis Rodman for UGG. Cause not only did I model that, I also shot the video for that. So all the ads, video ads you're seeing, it's all me filming and editing. So it's like, I would never have thought I would be able to do something like that. So I think the things I look to do is just like have my friends more involved and what I want to do and make a, like, you know, I saw the team work for myself is the ultimate goal. I really don't want to work for anyone else. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I would prefer just to like do my own thing and just be able to travel freely and have a free life. And I don't know, just make my life like a big, like vacation kind of <laughs> like, it's actually, know. again, that ties back into so many people we've had on the show that have said that they didn't want to, they didn't want to be pressed down into a job. And they wanted to be their own boss. Yeah. Um, Anthony Moreshi, who sings for a 10 yard fight wrench. He just did that documentary that Sonny was on called don't, um, don't stand in line. He literally started out the way you're talking about. He only, he was BMX videos. Okay. And I mean, I think that the path, the path to your own success is not limiting yourself. And especially, um, I, I always do this when I talk to guests about previous people we had on because it kind of alliterates the people listening. Mm-hmm. So if you hear me referring, it's more to so people listen. Go, oh, okay. You know, like, uh, like Juice Main, he taught himself everything from web design to web creations or YouTube without having to go get a college degree. Right. All these things that you would like to do, you can do. And everything that you want to see in life, you as long as you can conceptualize yeah. and you can put yourself forward, you're going to achieve. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think your own limitations are naysaying yourself or having doubt, and I don't see that in anything you're doing right now. And I'm really excited to see what you have coming up next. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens. I think the biggest thing for me is that, like, I've always, you know, I feel confident in saying I've always been really sincere about everything that I do. Like, I'm not faking how much I love to shoot video. I'm not faking how much I love all the music that I know about. Like, this is all like just my interest. And finally, like, it's like cool that like I can be accredited for it and like and maybe even get paid for it. Like, you know, just taking a VHS camera and filming Dennis Rodman, I could get paid for that. Like, that's literally insane. Like, I never thought that that could, that could happen because I, I come from a small town. Like, I don't know. I was not, I was supposed to just either stay there or like, <laughs> I don't know really what was going on, but and I mean, I'm honestly, my, my, you know, my, my roommate is a really big influence for me because, you know, he actually didn't graduate high school either. And he is one of the, uh, Amer- like the world's biggest photographers right now. Like, you know, and I sold him his first camera. So it's just funny to see how like the world works. Hold on, like, hold on, hold on. He's one of the world's biggest photographers. Yeah. I mean, in fact, that's so sick. That's yeah. sick. And that just goes to show you again, that's DIY. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there's no college degree. It's just having that eye. That's fantastic. And that's kind of another thing that we talk about on the show often is networking people that you meet and just being at the right place in the right time and feeling that energy. Like nothing that we're talking about would have been possible. Had you not said, fuck it, I'm going to New York. Exactly. Literally. Exactly. If I was like, Oh, I have to stay in Philly because I, you know, what if I don't do this or what if I don't do that? I was actually a hundred percent down to land on my ass and just fail. But as long as I knew I gave it everything I got, like even still right now, like I'm still not like fucking 
all good. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm working really hard and I'm just like putting myself out there, but like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd rather go out failing on my ass and trying again than to not try at all. And I think the biggest thing is that like everyone sees people and they're like, okay, I'm going to be like them. I think we have to be, everyone has to be an individual. Don't be like the next man, be yourself. Like, really just like make yourself an individual and that's really what people love they like to see individuals they like that's why it's cool to see you wearing cargo shorts in the goth club talking about minimal techno but it looks like you know, <laughs> i saw you throwing kicking people's ass at the fest like it's just like I, that's the kind of shit the world needs it's like or people need to recognize like no one cares like you know the, i mean in fashion they promote just like looks 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 how people look but they don't the thing I be for the fashion is like they don't they don't get sometimes sincere people you know I did a youth in today shoot which is a funny story but you know and they got me they're like oh wait you actually know this band I was like yeah that's why my friend asked me to do this they're like wait you're straight edge and then I called Porcel to come to the shoot they're like how do you know this guy? like they thought it was the craziest thing ever and it's funny because they're collabing with them so it's just like how do you not know this shit I don't know. I just think that more sincere people need to be recognized, but that's not what, that's not what the world, that's not what pays the bills. Um, you know, sincere, cool, actual I, cool. I think that you're going to have a battle of aesthetic and the things that are projected as important. Yeah. And sometimes sincerity is not at the, um, at the at the at the very forefront you know it's something that goes beyond the visual you yeah, know I'm, and i'm learning to balance that all out like you know I'm not going to change up but at the same time you have to be smart about how to talk to people and do things and also like there's there's an education that goes behind a lot of things there's a lot of sh- photographers that i met that shot me for certain stuff and they would you know they'll be like oh play this music or play music and i'll play something and then we'll start talking about music and they'll learn a lot about just different things i don't know i just think it's important to be yourself but also just find balance in that so you can grow within that world too because like you said sincerity is not definitely the forefront of this at all no there's a there's a not i wouldn't say closed-mindedness but there is a very simple thing that they want they want to get the shot and they don't care about what's beyond the shot. But the thing is, is if you can bring true sincerity and depth to it, it's going to ring truer. Like the fact that you brought your friends in and then organically Dennis Rodman went to be a part. That's why those stuff works. And this touches into so many weird things in life. It's like a continuity things that continue to be successful for everybody. You know, if, if the flow of the people that you have around you, like, you're connected to so many people, whether you realize it or not, either first or second generation, you know, like they say, that's just Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of separation. You're connected to so many people because of the culture that you came from. Yeah. And these folks that are trying to create this look don't have that because yeah. all they, you know, and, and that gives us the constant advantage. And throughout this podcast and just my experience in hardcore, so many people have risen to the top because of the way that our culture functions and the networking functions and that ability for you to be a punk rock kid from Philly to call Porcelli up and go, Hey man, get your ass over here. We're doing this use of today thing. Yeah. That's, I, I can't tell you how many times that's happened in real life for me. And it's, it's a very similar story in so many ways, the stuff that we've ever had in this podcast. Um, since you already gave us some really inspiring words and I really appreciate that. I'm going to ask you three really quick questions and then we'll rock out of this one. All right. 
when you look to the next few years, what is your biggest fear? Um, man, I, I think maybe being in the same spot that I am now, I think my biggest fear is not making progression because I'm, that's constantly what I'm like thriving for. I mean, what I'm, what I'm, this is what I thrive off of is just like feeling the progression, you know, you know, I fucking, I work every day, but I, I don't sleep because after work, I, I want to focus on teaching myself to produce and, and practicing DJing or practicing my video editing. So it's like, for me, like, I don't like to sit on my ass and sometimes I do need to chill because I really wear myself out. But, um, you know, when I'm out here, I just like, I want, I just want to feel like I'm progressing at something. So in a few years, if I'm still in the same spot as I am now, that's, I think I'll, I'll be really bummed. That's probably I don't think that's going to be possible because of just what you just said, the fact that you're driving yourself so hard. <laughs> well, then I honestly, it's really hard to say. I mean, maybe um, I don't really have anything that I'm too scared of because I've, I guess like. Um, I think you said it great. I think you said it great. You don't want to be in the same spot. If I am in the same spot, you know, that would, that's my biggest fear, but I really am fighting against that. The one thing I've learned over time, and I, and I, and I have a thousand personal friends who have done crazy shit and obviously people in this podcast, if you drive that hard, you're going to go somewhere because it's, it's hard work. They say like, there's no faking hard work. That's right. There's no faking hard work. Um, inspiration wise, um, where do you draw inspiration from to keep the drive going forward? Oh man, it's so hard. I mean, the people around me, I like to constantly have people around me that are like progressing in their lives like are you know are committed to doing stuff there's no one around me any of my friends that aren't trying to progressively do something with themselves not saying that like you know they're trying to be like, no it's insanely important but like super I, important i don't like to have people around me that are just have been doing the same shit for the last five years unless perfect. they're established and working really hard that's perfect you know what i mean no the, you know what the kind of person i'm talking about like it's just like kind of lazy sitting around like blaming other people for things stuff like that i really like the a person who's trying to drive in, like, even if they're fucking working at McDonald's, but afterwards they're fucking, um, you know, trying to practice with their band or get their band together. That to me is like admirable. I love people like that. Um, all my friends here are just like, you know, they're working on their own projects. We're working on projects together. Um, my girlfriend just moved here from France. We've been working on stuff. You know, all my friends at work, we sit there and talk about how we can plot outside of work. Um, uh, that's exactly what you need. You need yeah. to be you need to be in good company with people that are driven. Yeah. If you're trying to drive, if, if you've I, got that, if you've got that stoner roommate that's going to sit on the couch and smoke weed, that's the one that's going to hold you back. You need people that are in your circle, and so you're already. That's another. That's another path that you know you're going to be pushing forward just because you have those people around you. And I love having people who are, are much more established or uh, maybe mature in that professional way. Cause I learned a lot from them. So I'm okay with being humbled by like helping them out. Can you go into that? Cause that was actually going to be something I was going to ask next. That was the next question is who are you drawing from when you need to learn the next steps for you to get into? Who are you asking the questions from and what kind of questions are you uh, reaching out for to get ahead? Um, well, obviously my roommate, um, my girlfriend, she, she's really big in the, uh, She's pretty big in like the DJ Russell. We've been communicating a lot with like that, and she's been helping me out a lot. And she's been showing me a lot of things and how I should um, communicate with different people. And like, you know, she's been putting on me onto different radios and things like that. So, my between her and my roommate and some of my friends at work that are a little older than me, like a, a good friend of mine, Mike. He's like, you know, we work at the same store, but he has a lot of 
life experience. He has a kid now. He gives me a lot of life lessons and talks to me a lot. And I learn a lot from him. So honestly, just like the people that are surrounded by me, but also like, you know, between those three. And um, I don't know, it's really hard to say because I, I don't really like to be on like internet pulling inspiration from people. Like I just really like to take, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's hard because I'm not, I'm obviously inspired by aesthetics and things like that. But as far as like the um, like professional and life stuff goes, like um, it's just like some of my friends that are just like, you know, not sunning me, but like showing me the, showing me. Oh, the no, no, there's not sun. And I, what, yeah, what yeah. I was kind of getting at is it seems like you've got good people around you to kind of guide you when you get uh, plateauing. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I think the people that are inspiring me are the ones that make me feel driven. Like when I see them doing things, I'm like, damn, like they're going crazy. Like I need to, I need to be on that level. You know what I mean? Like that is what's inspiring to me. Like when I see my friends doing big things, like my roommate doing big things, you know, my girlfriend doing big things, my friends at work, like, like doing amazing things. Like I'm like, sheesh, like I have to, I have to be like that too. You know, we're all different, but then again, I have to keep pushing myself because I want to keep, keep progressing in that way. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to be like, Oh, well I made it. I'm here now cool you know i mean there's no resting on our laurels none none so i you know for me it's just like i i formatted my life to always be it's like working but in a you know the work is everything i love doing i'm that's what i'm slowly trying to do you know and sometimes it's really hard and it's annoying but that's just the way life is but i'm grateful regardless last question is going to be not difficult don't think about it too hard but when you think of the things that you've done so far and accomplished, what has given you the deepest or the most satisfying feeling, be it a show, be it the Dennis Rodman thing, being where you're at now, what is so far, if you could have an accomplishment to put it like so far, this is the most important thing I've accomplished and it's giving me the best physical feeling. When I, and I can answer this because I remember this is like something I was like, I had to like sit and think about it for a while. When I went to Japan and the kids there were waiting for us and they said that, that we inspire them an insane amount. Like we were, they were so happy for us to be there because they were so inspired by us and, and or kids who come up to me or message me on like Instagram privately. And like, are like, like Lewis, like you are one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to dressing or playing drums or like you made me like learn about like different styles of hardcore. You made me feel like I've gotten messages like, you know, you made me feel like I can be myself and I don't have to stick to just one thing. That to me was like, I don't know now, like I just get emotional even thinking about it. Cause like, I know what that's like. It's just like, you want to really express yourself and be so afraid to. And like, when you have someone who's inspiring you and to me, that's just crazy. Cause like, I'm a fucking, I'm just a normal person. Like, I don't know. It's just, and like hearing that from someone, like it just makes you like feel awkward and weird, but like also at the same time, I'm like, damn, like that just makes me want to go even harder. Like I just, I'm just so thankful for that. And like, well, I think it establishes that you are an influence. Yeah. And, and I, that you are someone who's present enough in the world to make a positive, impactful statement and also hold you to a standard. Like, okay, I have people that are looking to me and I need to make, and that's another part of what we talked about way back with me. Yeah. I realized that, I didn't realize the importance of how my own perception was. And I had a couple of friends like, look, man, people look to you. So you need, and I had a couple hard lessons. Like 
people look to you. So you need to remember that when you're, you know, fuck it, who cares? Like, no, there's people that look to you. Yeah. So to hear that that's happening to you already, it means that you're already doing great things. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it feels like I'm just like, like there's actual growth there because a lot of times when you're in this or, you know, in your own, even in your own life with anyone, like sometimes you don't see yourself growing, but other people do see it. And like, sometimes when you have those, like that, those pushes of, um, I don't know, recognition or, you know, like even when you were messaging me, like you're doing great. Like I was just like, wow, I guess, like, yeah, I am. I mean, I'm doing okay. Like I can give myself a little thanks once in a while because I'm constantly like, I need to keep going. I'm not doing enough. And, you know, I, I wish I could be better at this. And that's just how I look at things. I'm like pretty hard on myself about that. But, you know, just like those words of affirmation and just like people reaching out once in a while, it just like means a lot. But to answer your question. Yeah. Just what, what, just being recognized in that way as like an inspiration to someone that to me is like, I don't know, that, that really makes my heart really big because I never thought I could be that for anyone in the whole world. So it's um, it's definitely moving for me to hear that from you know people across the world or you know even on just kids on the internet who just are just reaching out just to be nice you know what I mean. What I think is I think the biggest thing that anyone who's listening can understand is that you are marching to your own beat and you always have, yeah. and through not trying to stand out and become a like you're not trying any harder than anybody else to get ahead in the regard of, Hey man, I was just playing in my band, doing my thing. But inside of you is a bigger person. You have an individuality that screams, even though you're like a more quiet person in a group of people, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know I've seen it firsthand that you're more behind the scenes, but yet at the same time, you're also, you're also a model. You're also doing these crazy. I watch some of your skating things and I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like there's amazing expression from you. Yeah. And I feel like that sometimes is your quiet second half of your brain. The one that's not, not worried. And I'm just really excited to have you on this show. So people can draw more inspiration. And I really had a really good time letting you alliterate and kind of break down where you got all this from. Yeah. And I really hope to have you back on the show and you tell me more amazing stories of more awesome celebrities and more success that you've already had. And I think that already the things that you have in place are the most important things. You have people that you can ask questions from yeah. to get further ahead. You have supportive people who are active and pushing. So you're in a good group. And on top of it, you don't want to stagnate. So I have no, I have no question that your fears are going to be completely blown away and that you are going to be further ahead along the way. I really appreciate that a lot. If you, if you want people to reach out to you on social media, do you want to leave any ads or anything like that? Or do you just want to say, Hey, did you better find me? Um, my ad on pretty much everything is uh, LU 2000 K. Um, everybody usually calls me Lou or Lou 2 K. Um, is there anything uh, coming out that we need to know about or you can't talk about it right now? No, I can talk about it. I have, uh, I've just been working on some music um, this Friday. I have, well, I don't know the date. I think it's on Christmas. I have a song coming out with my, my really good friend, Kilborn. Uh, it's coming out on a, a French label called Casual Gabbers. Um, after that, I'm doing like a live stream. What day is that? I think January 1st. I'll probably post it on, the, on my Instagram at some point. Uh, after that, I'm just working on more projects. I have a tape coming out with a, a English label called Hangman Satellite, and then another 
premiere with a South American label. Um, I forget what they're called, but I have to put a song out through them. So yeah, just been working on stuff and just if you follow my gram, you'll just see mostly my work and just funny things that I do. But I appreciate you having me on so much. And it's gonna be this is gonna be great. We're actually gonna do your you guys back to back, you and Aaron, like week one week and one week. That'd be sick. Yes, people, I'm excited to hear Aaron's because he's 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 done a lot this year. <laughs> well, it's it's just it's just a good. There's gonna be a, du- a good dual dichotomy between the two. Yeah, and I and I and I really I, I'm doing this with a couple bands where you have two separate people right. from a band, and right. you guys are the first that I'm trying this with. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being the person that you are and for carrying the torch for so many ways for Philadelphia hardcore and for carrying the flag of telling people to be comfortable breaking the mold. Right. And that's something that's always going to stick with me through you is that you are comfortable in your own skin doing your own thing, but you're still so brazenly loving hardcore and supporting it. And just thank you so much. Uh, through and through, man. I really appreciate your support always. And I, I don't even know, like just like constantly. Thank you so much. Cause I grew up seeing you and, now being on the show with you, it just comes full circle too. So, you know, I really appreciate it. And I'll always stand by you. And this is hardcore in Philadelphia forever. Uh, likewise, brother. Be good. All right. See you. I really hope you enjoyed listening to Lewis's story, his progression and the things that he's taken on and the way that he's added so many elements to his activities that are not just band related are fantastic. Next week, we're talking to Aaron Earl Hurd, vocalist of Jesus Peace, band member of Lewis, but also in Nothing. His story is absolutely amazing, and we have a tighter connection. I've known him longer and have a serious bond with this person, and we go deep on a lot of different topics, and I really hope that you guys, if you enjoyed this one, check out next week's. Go to TIHC Podcast for all the show notes. Make sure to share and tell people about the Eddie Leeway GoFundMe, and take care.